Is this better, guys? Let me know. Yeah. You just have to always make sure your speakers aren't too high. Gotcha. I can hear myself talking still. Ah, okay. One second. Um, oh, real quick. My question would just be, couldn't there just be like a ZK sync type uh, proof around um, like proof of reserves or something for like a privacy exchange, like proof of like price or something? Yes. That's, that's where something like a chain link CCIP comes into play. Because they have what's called proof of reserves um, built into their scheme, um, you know, would that work? I don't know. And like, how decentralized is that versus centralized? I don't know. To me, it's like the 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 four the the leaders of combining proof of work chains into a Dex or Thorchain, basically. And um, Thorchain's tech is like by far and away ahead of anyone else's in that regard and then Maya protocol or like with their cacao token or whatever they're the ones that sort of forked that as a friendly fork to add some other um possible um they added some extra assets and things to the system um those are probably your best bets and i think if if anyone's going to create a system that like is hacker proof because they've gone through several hacks and other things in their past it's going to be them and you know i'll cross my fingers that maybe they produce um, some sort of black box privacy decks that's fully anonymous. I think it should be fully anonymous, by the way, because I don't want a tornado cash phenomenon happening to founders of those types of dexes. They, these, these, these things need to be really 100% anonymous. You let them run, and once they're running, they can't be stopped. It um, would, would be ideal. <laughs> or something where it's like a decentralized node structure, almost like a BitTorrent. That would be useful, too, where you, you could update it with software but those software updates are pushed from you know wherever and um so far nobody's been able to shut down BitTorrent, for example um, any more than they've been able to shut down bitcoin so i think something like that would be okay as well but i don't know uh with I don't, i'm not too technical enough to know what's possible or how much work it would take to build it <laughs> so that's the that's the thing it's one thing to wish for something it's another thing to say it's technically possible with ring signatures and everything um i'm not sure Anyway, um, all right. Well, we're getting sort of like pretty good. Like Zephyr was getting close to like 18 or so. So definitely people are picking it up. Um, like I said, once these things start going vertical, you'll typically have like gigantic daily candles. Um, like last time when we ran, we had a daily candle of like like $8 to 15 and then like $15 to almost 25 things like that. Um, so yeah, once these things start moving, they just go straight vertical on microcaps. So you, like this idea that you'll somehow be able to like, oh, I'm going to catch it when it's, you know, there's a reversal or whatever. Yeah. A reversal is like a 50% jump in value already by the time it looks like the chart is really pretty, but you'll notice that when, so what'll happen is, is as the price gets closer to the prior high. So like when it, the closer you get to 52, when you post that, people are going to be like, oh, wait, it's about to break out and they'll jump in. So they, because it's confirmation that buyers are at the bottom, right? It's, it's confirmation that we've probably had a full reversal. And um, so people jump in to buy your bags. You could buy it at 10 and they'll jump in at 50 to push it up to 100. Um, it happens every time. Like, it's pretty common. <laughs> so it's just normal chart behavior and stuff. So that's why it's, I think to me, it's better to buy the bottom and wait for it to come back up with the best ROI than it is to try to necessarily like jump on last second, which you can do. Like, I think if you're going to be a breakout trader, you probably should 
like you know you you probably should be in it for like a 2x maybe like you know or maybe a 3x but if you like take zephyr for example like could it run to like you know two fib extensions or three three fib extensions above its previous high would run it to 408 dollars which would be like a billion dollar market cap compared to its current 50 billion 50 million dollar market cap so that'd be like a you know a pretty big jump from here and what would happen there is that um you know could you buy at 52 and maybe it does a you know maybe it goes to 200 and you get a 4x or something maybe or maybe it doesn't but the difference is is that when you buy the bottom like you know 10 to 20 bucks like we are at now or or lower then when it reaches those breakouts from prior high your multiples are so much higher so um yeah like these things you should always scale more in at the bottom if you care about them. Like if your intent is to get some higher ROIs, you want to get the very, very bottom. Um, and in proof of work, you know that like the thing is not going to go to zero. But what you don't know is new attention is going to come on the project or not. And, you know, are people talking about it and whatnot? And Bruce is funny. He's like, he went and bought some at six bucks when I when I bought it because he's like, I'm going to buy it because I know you're going to fucking talk about this for two years. So like, so I'm going to buy it because of that reason. That's, that's a good enough reason, if anything, because really, like, if you have someone retardedly autistic like me, as far as like this type of thing, it does make sense. It's called to persistence. Get something. Persistence. Yeah, persistence. Yeah, persistence. <laughs> that's a better way to say it. No, if you have someone that like really like champions the thing at some level, um, I mean, like, you know, has this, have the Zephyr people paid me to talk about this? No. Should they have? Probably fucking so. Is there anybody in crypto that like you could pay to, to talk this much about something? Probably not. So therefore, it's like, you know, that's that's a plus, I no, guess. Honestly, in itself. I think we will talk for, <laughs> about it for two years, just so you can tell everyone I told you so after two years. I told you so. Yeah, I will brag for sure. Like, I'll be like, you fucking morons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like, you know, for sure, like, it's fun after it goes up. I like parabolic charts. And I like, you know, I like 1000x's and things like that. I think they're a lot of fun. And I think part of it is I'm a parabolic chart collector. Think about it that way. <laughs> like, I'm looking for the next thing that's going to 100x or whatever. And I think it's a lot of fun to to watch these. I've been through these kinds of cycles before, but like, you know, in crypto, you can do it on such a shorter time scale. And um, it's just fun to to catch these things at the bottoms. Um, anyway, but like, yeah, the, the thing is, like, is there someone going to be discussing something like this? And, you know, Twitter space doesn't have a whole lot of reach. A lot of the people hanging out in here are people that we already know, right? Like, it's not new people, really. So, but at the same time, like, you know, Finn takes a lot of these um, terrorist, you know, spaces.org. You know, he he publishes them and stuff like that. So there's a lot of people that hear these on podcasts and things. And um, it's it's more reach than you think. Let's put it that way. And it's certainly more reach than a lot of other crypto projects have if we're talking about these things fairly frequently. So I think it's important to like every season to have probably one thing with like very high conviction, maybe two things with very high conviction. Um, and the longer this that crypto has been kind of trudging along, the more sort of like high conviction, more serious crypto projects have emerged. Whereas like in the early days, like most of the secondary coins were sort of like, you know, many of them were sort of bogus. Um, pie in the sky, you know, like <laughs> Litecoin's going to be the future of money type conversations. Um, and, you know, something like Zephyr, like, you know, none of us are under the delusion that like, 
Zephyr is going to be the future of all finance or some nonsense like that. That's not the point of it. The, the point of Zephyr is that like it has certain privacy features. It's useful to some of us, and we're likely to use it for those features. And then when you add to that, you're at a small market cap going into a bull market. The technicals are right. The timing is right. It has some reasonable fundamentals. Remember, the fundamentals dictate the bottoms. And the hype dictates the top, right? The, the utility and fundamentals are the bottom. That that tells you what the new floor is going to be on the price. So I look at that and I say, okay, well, you know, like, is there, you know, is there a billion dollar floor price for this thing that could emerge at some point? I think the answer is yes, because Monero has demonstrated, even after they switched to RandomX, they've demonstrated the ability to maintain a two to three billion dollar market cap. And hash rate of Zephyr, for whatever reason, people are interested in hashing this. It's the hash rate is very similar to um, Monero's on any given day. So when you combine all these factors together, the hash rate does tell you something about network strength, security, and fundamentals. And at least it tells you someone cares about this thing. And when price goes down, all those people that mine those coins are going to be, you know, trying to get their friends and family to buy it or whatever because they want number to go back up. And um, Miners become kind of part of the the network effect of word of mouth and whatever, right? Because all those people mining it, whoever they are, those people are you know more diehard into this thing, and they will tell their tell their colleagues and whoever. Um, it becomes like a baked in shill network, like you know, same thing with Bitcoin miners or whoever. Um, they make videos on YouTube and whatnot, so it it matters. And I think so. You you take the the aggregate of this and you say, well, is it feasible to sort of reach some ridiculous market cap and maybe dump to a billion or five hundred million dollar market cap? And is that consistent with the history of many coins in crypto? Uh, I'd say it's yes. It's yeah. just one thing. Um, you know, Coin Bureau, this guy is he really hates CBDCs. He really hates it. I, I, oh yeah. I watched his videos in the past, and and he's all, he's really like very outspoken against them, right? So I think we could actually get him interested if just enough people retweet yeah. and tag him on that. You know, I agree. I actually mentioned this the other day. I was thinking about joining their un unbelievably expensive alpha group for 65 bucks a month just to get like repeated questions in on Zeph. You know, so hey, take a <laughs> look at this. That might be worthwhile. Yeah. That might be a worthy, uh, that might be a worthy uh, use of your funds. dollars <laughs> a month, right? <laughs> I've been uh, shilling the hell like every single time Kyle Chasse posts, you know, another big altcoin YouTuber and, and his cartel, they purchase a fuck ton of altcoins. Like, yeah, like post on YouTube. Yeah, so. I'm just like, Jeff, every single fucking post, right? <laughs> like, well, if you want, if you want the coin to moon, I have a recipe for that. It's like everybody like that's in it just simply has to like is tasked with like commenting on other people's youtube posts even like twitter advertisements like you know how like ibm or who the fuck will have advertisements on twitter stick it in the responses on the advertisements too and they just sit there and they just create search traffic it's very funny um but yeah you can basically like you know it's all about attention and visibility and the more people and the more comments that people see they're like oh there's something here right it's just simply like you know how many times do you have to see the name of a coin where you start going wait a minute maybe i should buy that like so, you know, I think you saw this with almost every new coin of the season is like you probably faded most of them, but you but kept seeing them algorithm. over and over and over again. Then you're like, wait a minute, maybe I should look into this. You, you know, you know, the Twitter algorithm on advertisements. You know what I get now in my feed? I get surgical robot advertisements, you know. Guess who's <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sethi. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. I saw that, too. It was very funny. Yeah. <laughs>
surgical robot advertisements. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, like, but there's a what technique. What I'm going to use them for, scratch my ass or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, but there's a technique to this in far, as far as, like, getting the word out. And, uh, yeah, usually, like, tagging uh, YouTube channels and their, their comment sections and whatnot helps, too. I have a feeling, though, that because of the risk of a protocol like this, there's definitely some hesitancy. So I'm thinking that that when we finally get them to mention it, it might be a bit of a top signal. But uh, <laughs> that's true. No, you're right about that. Like, no, th there is a tendency for them not to talk about stuff until the market caps at a certain level. And the, one of the reasons for that is not just because it's top signal, but because um, they don't want to pump a micro cap. Um, because it wrecks a lot of people because it, it benefits the people that bought at the bottom, obviously. Um, but like the other flip side is it tends to uh, bring in buyers and creates a top signal, like you said, and then, then a lot of sellers come in and then they wrecks their audience. Yeah, And then they have an army of trolls accusing them of lying, just like you. Right. So, yeah. 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 And then, Oh, you showed this sorry, thing. And it sorry for engaging those guys, man. Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> I should see that they have like, five followers and like they're following 50 people and just shut the fuck up but you know i mean <laughs> like it's whatever naivety so no like this just like and the more and the farther you go into a bull market the more of that that happens because you get more and more newbies right so like they'll be, oh you talked about a coin it went up and like i bought it and it went down um yeah make you, you see, go make it go back up this yeah. is all new to me right so this is my third cycle but this is my first cycle on twitter right i mean like yeah, my my, uh, my other Twitter account from like 2009 is like primarily just for like porn use. I, so, yeah. I first got on Twitter like uh, early 2021. Really, I'm actually fairly new to this too. Oh really? Yeah, I yeah. Were, I, uh, like I'm not like some Twitter OG or whatever. I mostly stayed off uh, social media. Um, I got you guys involved. Made it sound with... like you were doing these spaces for like several cycles, though. So I mean, mm -hmm. this is no, we did a lot during like 2021 and stuff, just having fun. Definitely we cut back. It. I cut back on them like during the bear market times because no one would show up. Like no one would like, you know, like like you'd have like four people in the room. So it's like, it's all right, whatever. Way... During the pandemic, you know, that's so, what happened too. <laughs> so you've only so you've only known Co Coach Bruce for like two or three years then, or do you guys go back like? prior to twitter um i thought he was hilarious um just like you know i just knew him peripherally with his little crypto susanna account and stuff just some funny shit back in uh yeah during like the run-up of luna 2021 or so and then i don't know like he decided to suddenly eventually he would actually show up in spaces all the time and i'd be like oh there's crypto susanna again he never wants to, she never wants to talk or he never wants to talk and i'd make fun of it like make fun of him for like i don't know six months and eventually started getting on spaces it was very funny and then we realized he's at some point that we're really. He's got that Leah Soil Bra account. You, you ever saw him there? Yeah, he still has a Soil Bra account. Yeah. He's still yeah. Dude, how, how many accounts does he have? I swear to God, he's got like 30 burners. Like, well, no, he really doesn't. Soil, he's got you know? Like this Donna Goldberg account that he's been retweeting for the last 12 hours. Um, I, I, I called him out and I was like, is this one of your burners, coach? And then all of a sudden, fucking Donna Goldberg follows me. <laughs> So, that's funny yeah man i don't know it's bizarre you, you should see it it's so fucking so fucking weird man <laughs> yeah, bruce just likes to be weird on the internet it's fun um but yeah like i i just happened to meet him um as we went along and um like and then we started chatting a lot during the the bear market stuff and realized that we we just found each other interesting to each other so we kind of like he's kind of my brother now pretty much like kind of funny <laughs> so it is what it is like yeah. Sometimes you actually do make friends on here. It's fun. 
Yeah, couple couple of crypto whales, right? Oh my god. <laughs> it's funny. He'll tell me to go buy something. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll go buy it and do the same thing. He'll do the same. So, and then he'll go pass it on to like whatever crypto teams he's heard of and pass it on to them. They go buy it too. So, I'm pretty sure like <laughs> some of the Zephyr was bought by like probably like uh, Kyle Davies and uh, what's his name. No, Suzu. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what's probably some of the pump, the pump that happened uh, in November. He kind of told everybody at the same time. Kind of funny. Honestly, ho- hopefully they come back and, and pump it a little bit more here. I'm sure they're probably part of the dump too. So, Who but. knows? Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it actually didn't dump that bad. Um, this chart for, for Zephyr doesn't look like any kind of it really doesn't look like a pump and dump style chart. Actually, it looks very classic crypto, really like textbook chart. It's not even like this is a textbook like accumulation chart. It's perfect, actually. Super bullish looking. Yeah, like I mean, a bad looks- chart would be going from like a dollar down to like two dollars after hitting fifty-two dollars. That would be really bad. That'd be like a low liquidity junk pump type of chart. This looks really good. Yeah, man, it's, it looks exactly like Caspa. You're right. It is exactly like that classic proof yeah. work with the long drawdown. Early early Bitcoin charts, early Caspa. Yeah, all that looks that, That's looks exactly what made me buy it again at $11. I was I was worried, and I was telling my friend who's down here in the, the listeners, um, like, you know, even when dude, it, I, have, I have way too much money in this. Am I completely fucked? So, you know. <laughs> even when it went way up, it was like $20, then it hit $30, then it hit $40, then it hit $50. I was like, um... You know this thing's going to dump at some point. You know it's going to take like three or four months to sort of like consolidate. I don't know where the top is, but we know for sure that like when you have these type of price movements, um, the the time that it takes to sort of like recover from the drops increases with the, the, the size of the pumps. But at the same time, the size of the pump of a coin impacts its like the attention it gets. So I would be more worried if a coin just doesn't ever do heavy moves and doesn't attract any attention then i would be worried about like a retracement by far and away like every coin will retrace right but not every coin that you held it the whole way through and you didn't sell like 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 even with the retracement down into the 40s you know to pick it back no the the reason i didn't mess the reason i didn't mess with it is because like you already had the recent run-up of caspa in the previous year and this was like the most popular proof of work coin really since Caspa. And to me, it was too much risk to gamble it. So, cause you, yeah, you have plenty of coins you can like buy and sell to gamble. And occasionally you'll find something that probably like, you know, it's better to wait it out than it is to try to sort of guess. Because on the way up, think about it. I bought, I bought first at $6. Did I know it was going to go to 20 immediately? No, I did not. I was fully expecting it to go back to a dollar like or something right i i figured it would dump after i bought it like whatever then it goes up just just by happenstance or whatever it is so then did i know that it was going to go to 20 no did i know it was going to go to 30 no 40 no 50 no like so i don't know where the top's going to be so if i was a rational person i probably would have sold it at like let's say let's say i would have sold it at 30 and then it would have gone to 50 and then it would have like dropped back to 30 i'd be like ooh maybe i'll you know, start looking into buying it again and probably would have hit 20. I would have bought it back. So like, what did I do here? I just, you know, I bought some at six. I held on to it. Okay, fine. I didn't take any profit or whatever, but like, 
you know, I started buying in at 30. I started buying all the way down to the bottom. And, you know, I have a pretty decent average now. It's looking good. It's probably somewhere like around the price it is now. Not bad. And so I haven't really made any real money on it. The first pump was just my education about like, the first pump to me tells me something about the attention on this thing. And at that time, I didn't know enough about the system to like, you know, to really sort of delve deep into deciding to want to add more capital. So the first time I heard about it, when Up told me, I'm like, all right, I'll just throw, you know, a chunk of money at this and, you know, let's see what happens. You know, I fully expected it. See, to that's, like that's the part that makes, makes me wonder, like, like it, it, you know, since you, the conviction wasn't quite there yet, why the fuck not sell off at like 50? Wasn't 50 one of the, the original Fib extensions? Because mm, uh, like simultaneously what was happening was um, we were getting like outlandish amounts of volume for the market cap and we were getting a really high hash rate. That's why I didn't sell it off. And that, yeah. as it was going up, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, look at all these miners that are like posting videos about this thing and look at yeah, this, this could go so, to 100, right? So, yeah. So maybe I bought my own Kool-Aid while watching all the, you know, the hype, right? That's possible. In fact, it's not possible. That's what happened. So I kind of drank the Kool-Aid on the way yeah, up, right? Listen, man, your your spaces when this shit hit like uh, $20 all the way to 50 were like some straight up Scientology cult level shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> fucking Zephylopods and the fucking Zephyr Death Cult and fucking <laughs> Zephyr Death Cult. Black hole yeah, memes we were... flying around. <laughs> well, that, well, we tried to make it like sound like it was going to go to zero so that like, you know, that way like nobody bought the top or whatever and they're like what do you mean death cult it's death cult it's gonna go to zero what like you know no it was sort of a play on the luna ust death spiral you know cult obviously yeah, exactly um though we sort of had had fun with it because that's what a lot of us were were like people that were in the death spiral or whatever so you and ox ears and bruce yeah, yeah making mean. fun of ourselves a little bit is all that was but yeah like it was just fun but um yeah like i think the thing is but that just goes to show you that like i didn't know exactly and really, you know what, like the correct thing to have done might have been like, I bought my initial bag, leave it for the bull market, don't add anything else. And I would have technically been in the green on my position um, right now, right? I'm a little bit in the red now. So what did I do? I chased. And as a result of chasing, I'm in the red. So congrats to me, right? So like, so now it's like, okay, now you're a community member. You better make the fucking thing go up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I did, I, did the, I did the exact same thing, right? I mean, not, not that we're even remotely on the same level. I mean, holy fuck. You know? But you, but you um, see my point. Like, yeah. it happens to anybody. Like, you could buy the wrong price even because either you felt like you under allocated and you just did research later, like, Oh wait, I should have bought more, you know, um, you know, like how many of us bought Bitcoin, you know, over the years at higher prices than we first got in almost everybody. Like, so, you know, like, so unless you're like the Winklevoss twins or some shit or Satoshi himself or whatever, like almost everybody bought more on the way up. Right. So it yeah, happens. What, what a call by those guys. I wonder who, like, how did they first hear about Bitcoin? Who shilled it to them? with that much conviction that they'd put that much money into it. That's wild. The wing, the yeah, you have, to, you have to congratulate the Schiller on that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so, man. I mean, well, I mean, not that they're not bright guys, but, you, you know. You, you know what's more amazing is that they held it, right? That they didn't sell it when they had a multiple of whatever, right? They just, yeah, you're right. Seriously, <laughs> that takes some, more some difficult. Visionary. Well, and not only that, but, like, with all the shenanigans around Mount Gox, it's amazing how diamond handed a lot of people have been as well. 
But that's the thing. Like, if you have a bag that's small enough that you don't have to care about it, that helps a lot. But like, <laughs> but the funny thing is the Winklevi, um, they were their mentality and their psychology was affected by Bitcoin, though, for sure. Because I say this because, like, you know, they take like fucking meditation classes and stuff to handle the anxiety and whatnot. So, yeah, you might think that, oh, like, they're not thinking about their billions going up and down, but I can assure you they are because you wouldn't need fucking meditation classes otherwise. They're taking much more stolen stuff, you know. Yeah. Christ, that's that's what I need too some meditation and maybe some fucking quaaludes at this point, dude. Because, like, I can't tell you how hard my heart was beating when I bought Zeph at $11 with a lot of money, man. I mean, like, yeah. So it's so it, you're right about the bag size too, because my bag is about like two and a half times my net worth. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pretty good amount myself. Like you know, but at the same time, it's like you have to have this idea that these things can get to, you know, early bull market kind of mentality is like relatively small cap things can make it to a billion market cap. You know, even five hundred million, even like. um if you get to like a 500 mil market cap, I believe we're at $200 app. That's very feasible. And if you think about it, like there's some, like, I mean, I, I pulled up comparables in the market. Like let's, in fact, let's do it now just for fun. So look, we go to, all right. So by market cap, you go onto CoinGecko and go basically to other uh, coins. Steffi, I just have to go. Have to yeah, sure. mm. yeah. Catch Archimedic you later. Guys. Pump yeah. Yeah. Coins, yeah. Coins, man. Noob. Like, um, I was going to say, all you have to do is pull up some coin that is a similar market cap. Um, so Zephyr's at like, what, 500 something now? What is it you have in front of you by chance? Drew? Hang on. Yeah, let me pull it up. Uh, it's like 500 something. Um, but like, let's pull up like some other similar comparables in this sort of like 50 mil market cap range. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, Z Zephyr fifty four, right. like here five fifty two UWU lend. No fucking clue what that is, but let's see what kind of volume it has. Okay, so twenty four hour trading volume of one hundred eleven thousand dollars on a market cap of fifty five million and a fully diluted valuation of one hundred twenty two million. Okay, so you compare that with where. Say, for example, Zephyr is now, um, pull up that Zephyr's comparable here. And it's been running anywhere from 300,000 to probably like around 2 million today in daily traded volume with a very same market cap of 54 million. And it doesn't have an FDV that's all fucked up. So you really have, yeah, right now it's 2.2 million traded of Zephyr, dude. Like Zephyr is just kind of ripping past almost anything in that region as far as trading volume at any given moment, much less the fact that the hash rate is, you know, hash rate is very close to Monero's, which really makes it, um, like, let's look at Alchemix. So ALCX was kind of like a popular, you know, Ethereum something or another. It's like a lending tool. It's like a yield optimizing tool or whatever. So it's like 53 million market cap, and it has, it has a 24-hour trading volume on Ethereum of 6 million. So that's pretty good, like $6 million trading volume on a 53 mil market cap. But on the other hand, its trading volume is on the way down. That's probably not good. 
Oh, it's oh, I know why. Because it just peaked and had a it pumps, so it actually has like a high high mark uh, volume. And that's typically true of stuff like on Uniswap and whatnot. You definitely have more trading volumes on Uniswap for sure. So I don't know if that's a really good comparable necessarily because we don't have, you know, Zephyr can't be on Uniswap or whatnot. But anyway, point is like it's reasonable trading volume for the market cap level compared to a variety of other things. Um, let's look at where Kujira is, for use, example. Uh, use, use, use Mavia as a comparable. It's a it's a 200 million market cap. It just kind of skyrocketed in the last 24 hours. It's a little... Uh, what's its taking. what's its what's its volume there? Oh, what do you have in front of you? Like, trading, look at Kujira. Uh, yeah, look at Kujira, for example. Trading Kujira, volume. Kujira, one hundred and forty-two million. Hang on a second. Kujira is a four hundred and fifty million dollar market cap, which is like five times or whatever what um what Zephyr's is now. Wait, is that right? No, more than that. Uh, yeah, like yeah, nine times Zephyr's market cap right now, and you have um a $1.2 million trading $1.2 million trading volume, right? So this is what I'm saying. Like, if you look at Zephyr on the the overall perspective and you go, wait a minute, like, how has it been, how popular is it? Now, is it possible some of this is washer volume or some bullshit? I guess it's always possible. But that's true of all the coins, though. Both Kuji and Zephyr are on MEXC. So theoretically, it could be like, you know, shenanigans going on. But, you know, I think like on the whole, it looks bullish to me. It doesn't look like something where people are like, it looks like people are actively trading it to accumulate or whatever, um, which is, it's all, it looks pretty good in terms of good signs are concerned. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like, I think from here, like to me, like a 10X would be really, really obvious. That would be just even in the next run from here, $17 Zephyr could easily get to like, the fib levels for extensions are 130 and 207, which is not bad. Um, so from here, you're still looking at approximate 10 to 15x maybe. Um, and if it does a, a like a full-on run where three fib extensions, you're talking about a billion dollar market cap and 400 million. I don't know if it gets there or not. I'm not sure. If yeah, it does so, though, there's no way it sustains there. There's no way. Like yeah, it's right. Dump, but so you know. yeah, it, it will. And 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 so my my uh, fantasy for the last like month or so is. If it hits like that second fib extension at two oh seven, you know, maybe sell a portion of it and buy back again. Yep. Or, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could, I, and you could, you could always sell like, like, like. Let's say it goes to one thirty, maybe you, you know, either sell or swap some to to ZSD, um, and you maybe do like twenty percent there, and you do another twenty percent at two oh seven. Because the other question you'd have to ask yourself is like, let's say you go to two oh seven, where's it going to dump to? Um, if it goes to 207, it will probably dump close to that $52 mark again. Oh, really? Uh, I was thinking 130, like like down to or the next support level. Mid, or down to fib, yeah, maybe. But you know, like you should think from the perspective of like, let's say that time came. Let's say you sold at 130. Mm, when are you going to buy it back? Right? You'd have to make some kind of magical theory in your head. And the problem that usually happens is you you usually won't wait long enough anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, it would be probably something similar to this drawdown where I bought it 32, yeah. 26, 25, 18 and, and 11, you know? So. Yeah. You'll, you'll make mistakes like on the buying as well. You won't get it exactly right. So you just have to have a scale in plan at some point. Now, the other thing too, is we have a tendency to be very monolithic about this shit. We're like, okay, if you sell some Zeph, you have to buy Zeph again, which is not true. 
like there maybe there's some other coin that has a better pullback at that point and you're like okay i'm going to cycle there instead of trying to time this particular thing right because like let's say let's say like a a month timing hold up right like so like zeph pumped a little bit early relative to every other coin so i I mean how how well does that timing hold up i mean it's obviously Um, it it, it tends to it tends to because like how do you paint a chart that looks like a proper retracement it takes time no matter what so whichever coin retraces first like is going to be the next one to pump and it so it, it it's almost like the the what do you call it the cycles on an engine or whatever you know it, it, like it takes a certain amount of, it's like a timing belt <laughs> like it just takes a certain amount of time so i think like you'll you'll have coins that are off cycles so all you have to do is pull up maybe a dozen charts go with find the one that hasn't run yet and whichever coin that had you just ran you could basically cycle out of some of that and that's one way to de-risk it yeah, um, I, I, I'm almost you know. uh, like tempted to create a spreadsheet of, of each promising project I look at and when it has like a 30 plus percent retracement in this this next one and then cycle into those, you know. What I like about TradingView is like what you can do is you can just basically like um, make yourself your list of coins that you think are interesting. Things that have good fundamentals, whatever, whatever the reason you have that list, you have it. And what you do with that list is you actually draw the FIB extensions for every single one of those. Yeah, you um, see, I, I did that, but I don't have like a formal running list. It's almost like a full-time job running running TradingView with, with all of its features. I mean, that shit is fucking crazy. No, what you, what you, can, do, what you can do is basically like just you can set some alarms, um, just set like retracement alarms on each of the FIB levels, and then it will ring you and then like, oh, wait, I should look, I should look at this now. Because you'll, you'll forget otherwise, right? And you, you, and you probably should have some shit that's not on your list yet, like stuff that you don't own yet, like people, you know, anything people are pumping, Tau or whatever the fuck else, like just have some that like have nothing to do with you so far. And that way, like if you happen to see, like maybe you're not in cast, but you're like, oh, maybe that looks interesting. You basically have some that you don't have yet also, just like, because the things you already own, you're mentally fixated on, the, on them anyway. You're atten- you've already paid for your attention with your tokens <laughs> so because you're going to monitor that shit no matter what happens so then the question is like maybe you'll miss some things that might dip you know when your thing is pumping and that can be a useful sort of like um useful like sort of way to deal with this so take for example like let's say um like i was hoping that Chainlink was going to run this last week and it was going to go ahead and run and just like rip to like 31 six or something. And my hope was I was going to be able to, to, to sell some chain link and I was going to be able to buy some Zephyr before it started pumping. Maybe I can get it below, you know, you know, 14 bucks or something like that. Didn't happen. Right. Like I didn't actually get to that point. So I just left everything alone. And if Zephyr runs, okay, I missed it, whatever. Who gives a fuck, but there'll be something else, right? Like for example, um, this hey, is why, I, by the way, this was the left? reason, by the way, I added Dogecoin and Litecoin to the, the list because those are really, really relatively safe in terms of like downside risk. So if I cycle into them, I'm not going to lose my shirt. But on the other hand, they have barely moved yet. And so therefore, like, you know, even if I get a 2x on my buy there, you know, let's say I do a 10x on something else and then I dump this into a 2x. That's a 20x, man. Yeah. Like, it's that simple. Yeah. That's that's exactly how I've been thinking. So, I mean, yeah. not not to get too monolithic with like a list, but if I give yeah. you two, two hypothetical charts to look at based on when they pumped and and yeah. are current currently dumping, would you mind taking a look at them? Yeah, yeah, pull them up real quick. Yeah, so Shido and Neon. 
So Neon is like an interoperability protocol between Solana and, and uh, Ethereum. It's like EVM on Solana. Um, and then Shido is a, a layer one running on Tendermint um, with actually more dApps than Say, and it runs a little bit faster, but it's it's a similar concept. Shido's chart looks a lot like Kajira's chart. In, yeah. And it's been sort of like dripping downwards for, so it was yeah, but, at like January 21st, it made it to like mm, 13 cents or so. No, yeah, I'm sorry, it, not 13, it, it, 1.3 yeah. cents. It and then now, right? so. yeah, now we're like at 0. 0.007 um yeah and, and volume has fallen off which is good and uh, people have sort of forgotten about it a little bit so yeah this might be a time for like you know this might be entry time starting here possibly um i'm trying to see where you would draw fib levels for this i guess you could do it all the way from november you could do the november 3rd bottom all the way to the top let me see what kind of numbers you get so yeah it's first like retracement level it hasn't even hit yet it's actually pretty bullish in that it's not pulling back that much. Yeah, they have a main net main net launch coming up here too in the next the next few months. So, I mean, there oh, there's yeah. some, some some things that are going to be catalysts. So I'm thinking if Zeph has like so so my my fantasy for like the last two yeah, years, and maybe if Zeph you have a main net coming seven. out, that's like yeah. some of the biggest news you'll have for a coin. Um, yeah, actually, if you use like the t December twenty fourth bottom. And then you use the January 21st top. It is now at its first fib retracement um, at about 0 0.007. And then could it go down below to 0 0.005 possibly? So this might be a good one to watch in the sense that like maybe you wouldn't add any here now. But let's say Zephyr pumps in the next month and this one's staying still. Um, let's see how much time has passed too. Um, it's not that much. So it's been a month. Not much. So yeah, this one could Shido could bleed for a few months, especially if the main net's a ways. So what you might want, the way you might want to play this is only get into it if something else you have pumps, and you can rotate into it while this bleeds out for a few months. That would be ideal. Now maybe that doesn't happen. Like maybe this doesn't bleed. Maybe it just sits right here. Who knows? But you have a, at least a strategy, you know, on that. But like I said before, like if you simply want something really, really easy, like you have something that's already 10x and you're trying to like preserve that value, then the most straightforward thing is to pick a proof of work coin that hasn't run, like that hasn't run at all, all like right. a Litecoin. Duly that's a simple, that's a simple like thing to do. And I, I've done that already in the sense that I've added Doge and Litecoin to my sort of chart list and like I'm kind of watching them. Um, because like when you have a full on bull run, like there is a one hundred percent chance just about that like Litecoin will move. It's not like a major. Yeah, sort of it's it's got a lot more conviction than something like Shido, which has been around for what five it's, six. It's months. not even it's not even a function of conviction. It just will move because like not only will everything move, but when retail shows up, they buy the shit that they've heard about. They buy the stuff that's at the yeah. top market caps, and you know so and and Litecoin's chart is like. You know, you're basically buying a near bottom at this point. So how, it's an how, easy. How long do you think Litecoin's consolidation continues before we get price action? I mean, I mean, do you think it's got a mm -hmm. probably not long? Like, if you look at the bottoms, it's kind of like on parabolic bottoms. If you look at the parabola that it's curved out so far, the next low for Litecoin should be around ninety-eight dollars. My uh, around uh, that my level. friend who's and, listening just texted me and he said Doge would run way harder than Litecoin. 
What's your take on that? Um, that's possible, but remember, Litecoin's market cap smaller, so like you know, anything's possible in in a bull market. But um, let's see, I mean, Doge. He's, he's got a point with the you know the mimetic effect. So and to to his point, I have more Doge than I have Litecoin at this moment. So the reason is because like that satellite launch thing is going to be automatic news that will drive it, right? So. Um, yeah, Doge is 11 billion market cap, 12 billion, something like that. I believe Litecoin's like three or something. So they'll, they'll move like one way or the other at some point. And the question here is not so much like, yeah, what will go up the most, but like, are both of these reasonable preservation store of value at this point? The answer is yes. Um, LTC and Doge should be fine. Yeah. It's 5.3 billion market cap is Litecoin. So yeah, and I have a little bit of each basically, but like it it like it depends too. Like let's say for example, so what's been happening by the way, a general analysis of the market over the last 6 months is it's almost all market incumbents that are playing around, right? Like these are people that are crypto natives buying shit like Caspa and Zephyr and you know, Alephium and God knows what else, a bunch of new random coins. And guess who buys those coins? Those are not new retail that buys those things. You're going to fringe exchanges and shit. You know, of course, you had your a bit of a Solana retail pump already. But who you have largely is crypto natives who want to just ride narratives they see on crypto Twitter. You don't have mass crazy buying from the general public. Yeah, like we'd, true. we'd have we've a bunch of weird exchanges yeah. like CoinEx and Mexi and, and all. Yeah, that we'd that have shit, if, so. if if it was if it was the case that everyone had shown up, like Litecoin and Doge would already be pumping already, and they didn't really do much. So these are bellwethers for the retail like person showing up. So what you've seen so far, you might say, oh, the, the you know the older coins are not going to move because like you know it's because people are what do crypto natives do right now? They're looking for return on investment. Everyone knows that like smaller market caps pump now. It became like a like a standard knowledge sort of among crypto crowd, right? So this yeah. is why like you're seeing these sort of like, you know, various microcaps return and run and like run for a whole year, um, some new projects, things like that. So people want high ROIs if they've been here a long time. Newbies, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like they'll, they'll show up and like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll see, a, you know, 100% gain. They'll be really, really impressed with themselves, right? You remember how that was when you first start out, right? Oh, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh my God, it doubled. Oh my God, like my Dogecoin or whatever. Um, so yeah, the two X's and things of that nature are, um, like what those people are impressed by. And they also are, are just not too lazy to go and figure out every random coin. So a lot of people, they'll just whop onto Coinbase and they'll just sort of like, you know, you know, organize it by market cap or whatever. And then they'll just say, Ooh, this look, I've heard this before. And they'll buy what they've heard of. Um, or they'll get onto an exchange cause their friend told them to buy something. Oh, go do this and go buy that. Um, so it depends on how they get onboarded, but really like the total newbie who just logs in is going to buy whatever they can find at the top of the list. So that's when you know like the like real true sort of bull market has really begun is and I think what most people consider a bull market is that time period where like it's darts at a dartboard, you know, type of thing. So like it, so if you have gains in something and let's say let's just say something happens in the next month. Like things just start to moon in the next month and Litecoin and Doge don't move at all. Well, perfect. That's a place you could probably cycle into if you want to say crypto exposed as opposed to going just cash only. Um, because like cash at this point is probably a loser in that like the odds that it's going to sit there and wind up, you're going to have different things run and you're not in them is high. 
So at least if we have a run, LTC and Doge can run. From this stage, are LTC and Doge going to dump a lot? Eh, I don't know about that. Like you might see some dips, but I mean they're they're so low to begin with. It's just questionable whether you know well, they've they're like at bear market like averages now still. They're that's not even promising at, because I'm completely fucking allocated. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think right now it's like being allocated makes more sense to me. I'm I'm fully allocated. The, the only problem is I'm fully allocated. And my portfolio is still down about maybe fifteen plus percent on a, on a whole, whereas you've got like virtually a double in everything. Um, yeah, my my uh, I'm up on Chainlink. I'm neutral on Zephyr. I'm up on the Kujira that I have and a few other randoms. Well, so, yeah, um, today I'm up on Kujira, but, but you know, the last couple of weeks, certainly not. Um, yeah, but Kujira. Oh, I added Kujira, though, up in these levels. I didn't only keep my airdrop. I added some. So I figured Kujira is an easy choice for long-term hold, and I figured, ah, let's just pile in and go for it. So I just sort of added it later. But uh, at this point, I'm reasonably allocated. I think, like, you know, uh, I would be doing really, really well if I did like a 5x on most of these things. Um, yeah, even a 5x on most of these things, I, I would have performed really, really great as far as like any kind of any metric of monetary success. Like, so, you know, beyond that, like, you know, I think we go higher than 5x. Sure. Why not? I think it's highly likely. Um, so, I mean, from here, I think a 5x would be on most of these bags would be very, very sane um, sort of numbers. Yeah, that'd be great. Actually, Akash is one of my my best performing uh, one of my best performing ones. Now that I'm looking at it, I'm I'm more than double. Yeah. So on the on the sort of AI deep in stuff, like I kind of got out of Akash when it was like at three ten. This last yeah, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about it now. That that was and actually my next I, question. Should, I, I don't I know. Like out of this into into mm -hmm. something like like Neon, which is the next char chart I was going to ask you about. Yeah, see, Akash is a pretty high market cap for something that, and by the way, I, I like the team, I like everything about it, but like, is the goddamn thing worth this market cap? Oh, hell no, right? Like, there's no, there's no universe or, or in which like the Akash Network's coin is worth $690 million or Yeah, whatever. but the narrative sounds so good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's all narrative, and and they remember the narrative sounded good last season too, but it dumped big time, right? Like like into the never never nether world, you know, like it's right now at like three dollars. It was like twenty cents bear market or something. So the thing is, when you're when you're on when you're you're running on fumes, you don't have like a true narrative that like is actually a fundamental value. You're going to get a gig or a trace one at some point. My worry about Akash, just looking at the chart is that it has a big retracement while everything else runs that was my worry like is because you know like this happened to Chainlink back in 2020 and and so my thought is that like okay wait a minute like it's had a good run my bags are in the green i sold this this and this and this and i went and bought Chainlink. why because i felt like even if i got like a 5x on Chainlink, and that's all i got like i would be doing it at a dramatically lower risk than staying and waiting in a cosh which could dump this is my this is my worry about it. Okay. And and by the way, that doesn't mean it won't run. Like I I could be totally wrong and that's fine. Right? Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It just has to be with like, do I really want to ride that bag down after I've already held it for like three years? And, you know, now I'm in the green sufficiently enough to justify selling some or selling it. And then maybe um, you know, and so I just I quite truly like poured that into 
um, you know, I, I poured that into, what did I buy with it? Oh, actually, no, I didn't buy a chain link with that one. I bought some, um, Kuji with that one actually is what I did. Um, so, you know, for better or worse, there you go. <laughs> what do you think the, the likelihood is that it hits prior highs? Like if you have like a, a percentage in your head, pretty high, that's a pretty high likelihood. You know, it's, what I don't know really is whether time. some of those coins that have run are going to take a dump for the latter, this half of the, the, the first part of this year or not. Whereas, I mean, just look at Chainlink's chart. It's like truly chart gold, right? Like, like there's not like, it is the absolute pinnacle standard chart for a run, right? It's like, it's yeah. like one of the prettiest charts you can imagine. Uh, so like, to me, it's like, well, if I'm going to trade on the technicals and I would say like, what has an uglier chart at this point, as far as like downside risk, it'd definitely be something like a cosh injective, all of yeah, these not, things that have already not, run. Not to beat a dead make, horse, but even Solana always. makes you nervous. Chainlink always has a perfect chart and then fucks people over, though. That's that's the thing. It does. So, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, so do a lot of coins. You just don't realize it unless you're in them. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess not. But <laughs> it depends. Um, yeah. Could you take yeah. a look at one more? Speaking of, uh, you know, a big run up and then getting sufficient. This is one I'm I'm really hesitant to put any more into, but I don't really want to sell this bottom. Um, mm -hmm. ne neon. So it had a oh huge, yes 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 huge neon, double you top. That. Um, yeah, it's all, How do you spell this one? N E O N? Yep. Yeah. Neon, like what would be the best chart to look at on Neon USDT on? Ooh, that's a good question. Bybit? USDT? Neon Bybit. USDT? Yeah, it's on Bybit. Is it a dollar eleven? Dollar yeah. twelve now? Yeah, dollar eleven. Um, yeah, it's got a, like, had a really good run up. It, did it just start, like in August? I think so. Yeah. Or over the summer? Is that I a new bought, I bought it. In, I bought it in December. It's pretty new. Hang on. Let's go to Max. Yeah, it's it started started in the late summer, so like the same time as Zep. Okay, and then like, what's his market cap now? Market cap is sixty four million, but it went all the way up into the the three hundreds. I mean, it was it was huge. So sure, I have the right one here. Yeah, and CoinMarketCap, cap, it's like 64 yeah. mil market cap. Has, FDV has a huge of, FDV, so it's going to get dumped on eventually. Holy I'm Jesus! Why is that FDV so big? It's, it's, like, what's up it's with a, that? It's a Solana special, man. It's it's all it's all VC, just like most of these Solana tokens, you know. Oh, okay, so, okay. But I, but the narr the narrative is good, so I was thinking about it as as like a short term hold, and then it shat the bed. So. You know what I almost got wrecked on in Solana last season was I bought Serum, which is one of the, like, it was like a uh, order book decks. And yeah, that was one of those things that was heavily like FTX associated. And yeah, um, we're, luckily we're I only traded it. Yep. Luckily I like, I think I sold it after like, maybe it was maybe 10% down. Cause I was like, ah, this is sort of stupid. I'm not sure I want this. Some keep people are like, why'd you buy that? The tokenomics blow. And I'm like, oh, I didn't really pay attention. I just clicked a button on my, app and i had this yeah, coin <laughs> like you know i didn't research it at all people were talking about it. i'm like i'll get a little bit no but it was one of those like true ape in type of things and i didn't lose much on it because i just sold it but um anyway like yeah this is just like one of those type of like vc type pump things it is. yeah it is so um yeah see but see here's the thing like if i was going to be buying this today or zephyr it's like without question, Zephyr. On the other hand, you have like Solana Pumpamentals because, you know, people are buying every random thing on that chain now. So, like, hard hard to say, man. Hard to say on something like this. They, they I don't, so what does it do? Time. Am I asking the wrong question? Like, what does it do? Like, <laughs> is it's, it uh, like, it's or it's, does it matter? 
it's EVM on Solana. So so it enables Ethereum-based applications on Solana. So it's like a dApp. It's like a dApp on Solana. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Some kind. Hence, hence okay. the DC. Okay, got it. Yeah, I don't know. Chart-wise, it looks like it fell below its first FIB. Um, it's like 0.75 and then 0.45 next. Um, it had kind of like, yeah, I think like chart-wise, it looks like the attraction would be at about 75 cents if you were going to pick it up. If you're if someone was going to buy this, gotcha. How, how how long how long would you foresee a retracement on something like this? Oh, this, um, yeah. yeah. Well, judging by now, I just have like a shorter version of this chart on Bybit, but like its full chart is on MEXC. Its Which run up began in December 10th. It peaked at um, January 1st. So January 1st, that would put a three month consolidation period like march i guess so maybe like by march april it tries to run to all-time high again maybe if it's like a serious project i don't know i don't know who cares about this thing that's the thing i'm not sure but yeah four four months would be probably pretty typical um unless the whole market takes a dive in which case all of us wait six months for everything <laughs> so we'll be sitting here like late in the summer chatting about how everything's going up again if we yeah. if we if we dip I'll be lamenting my fucked up portfolio and bad decisions again. Yeah, all, all <laughs> yeah. Right. we'll be in like a cope session for the next six months. <laughs> so like, like that standard shit or so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think these are ones that. Um, yeah, like all of all the all the total three alts, you know, everything that's not ETH and Bitcoin you're basically relying upon a general run of everything. And if all of them run, they'll all run together. So you're not really diversified when you're in um, these, like anything that has a, put it this way, Drew, if you have two different coins and they have the exact same chart, you're basically not chart diversified. You, you're, you're basically in two assets that are all gonna, almost going to move timing wise together. So you have never um, thought look, of it that way until maybe Because look at total three. Like, yeah. look at total three. Like, if you pull it up on Trading View, type total three in and go look at what that looks like. And you'll notice that all of the alts look somewhat similar. Some moved exactly with total three, um, which, like, is, you know, probably a large proportion of that now is things like Solana and Chainlink and things. Um, so that peaked half, half on December. Yeah, that peaked right. literally December 1st, 2nd, the same time as your two coins did. What does that tell you? Your coins pumped because everything else in total three, namely Solana, pumped at that time. And so what does that mean now? It means that they're all going to retrace together almost surely. And they're yeah. correlating to total three. Well, she, you know, Shido, Shido would be the Cosmos pump, right? So Shido was part of that mm -hmm. Cosmos pump in December. Um, but then it kind of took off on its own, right? So, so it, it was a little bit later than like, like Say and everything else. So, yeah, if you want to find something honestly, that's... I'm an easy way to screen, uh, an easy way to screen for like if a coin is like maybe down compared to total three is on trading view. I don't know if you know this trick, but you can just type in the coin, like let's say um, neon USDT and you use the divide symbol like the forward slash and then you type to, you type total three and then you hit enter and you're going to get a uh, you're going to get a chart that actually is like relative to total three. And that'll give you an idea of where your coin is relative to that. If it's correlating perfectly, then that means that you are relying upon all the coins in Total 3 to go up, and it will also go up. Um, and that's probably true of these. How did, how, did, how did you do that again? You said uh, your so coins. So go to the, go to, 
So you know where you like do symbol search? Yeah. Okay. So type in like, okay, let's type in neon. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, or let's say, or Shido, let's type in Shido USDT. Okay. And then you just hit, you don't pick anything at the bottom. You just hit forward slash when you're typing and you type total three. Um, T-O-T um, A-L-3 and then you hit enter. You don't, you don't go and select anything at the bottom. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and that was a trick I learned years ago on this thing. And what that'll show you is like the relative performance of your thing versus total three. So what you'll notice is, is that like Shido has dropped off more than the general total three, which makes sense because like it's trading worse than total three. Why is that happening? Because it's a smaller cap thing and it's going to pull back more than say, for example, Solana, right? In relative terms. So, but it has a chart that looks exactly like total three, which means it's correlated highly. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, if you're trying absolutely. to find out like, is your coin outperforming or underperforming or like, where does it look in comparison to something else? Or you could do something else. You could type like, for example, let's type Shido USDT and divide it by Zeph. Um, Let's divide it by Zeph USDT. And what you'll find is like, okay, Shido's dropping compared to Zeph, obviously, because Zeph just went up, right? So you'll get a sense of like, so, you know, if you want the thing that hasn't run yet, that's another way you could sort of look at it is compare to Total 3, compare to another coin and go, wait a minute, like what's the Dude, relative? this is awesome. Holy shit. It's interesting, yeah, right? Not, not, not being a stick of fan or anything, but like the amount of knowledge that I get from these fucking spaces that, that you're shedding off all the time is, is fucking awesome, man. I really appreciate you. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. A lot of tricks and shit in here, huh? It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty neat stuff. Um, but yeah, like you pick this stuff up after a while playing with TradingView and stuff. How do, you, how do you have so much time to learn this shit? I'm like starved for hours. I'm work. just a dork. Like you know, I'll sit in bed before I go to bed and like play with this shit. Dude, how, does your does your wife get angry with you for this shit for like the extended uh, spaces? She's got some bullshit TV shows she has what going on, and like I'll have my thing, and we'll just chill next to yeah, each other. You guys, you guys, we're, we're like we're like parallel play, like infants. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's, that's what happens when a relationship is, is, has been going on for long enough, right? You just yeah, yeah. yeah. You have your things, and you know sometimes she'll ask a question like, "What's going on over there?" And I'll figure out what's happening on our Chinese show. Um, <laughs> you know, like, is he is that guy with that girl now, or what? You know, Chinese kind of... show. Wait a second, she's, she's watching some. <laughs> she's watching shit on like I don't know Netflix or whatever. It's got like, uh, yeah. they have like fucking South Korea on there, China. I have all sorts of stuff going on now. So she became like she went into binge watching Asian TV for. No fucking idea why, <laughs> but anyway, it's funny. I would never have imagined. At least it's not her. Bollywood, man. I would never have imagined her binge watching that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Um, anyway, hey DMT, what's up, man? I didn't mean to ignore you there. We're just yeah. Sorry, here. guys. I'm I'm hopping off too. By the way. Oh sure so, thing. I appreciate you. Take it easy. Yeah, catch you later. Demim, you you there? What you up to? I don't know if he's actually. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got a phone call. Um, oh, no problem. Yeah, what you how are we doing? Did you check out the white paper or the decks or uh, yeah? What are your thoughts? <laughs> it's like a little like mini sort of like central exchange essentially, right? It's not really a dex exactly. Um, decentralized and it's not owned by anybody. It's sort of like you know, kind of anonymous sort of thing, but it's not exactly a dex, I guess yet. Um, I mean, it's, it's owned by somebody. I didn't see... It's owned I mean, by somebody. Sure, yeah, it's not sure, like it's got a validator like, network. 
I mean, sure, you have a multi-sig or two FA or all these different things, but like, how, who's who's parked on that address? Like multi-sig, like is it basically you with all the different keys and your pseudonymous identities or like, right? So it's presumably just, it's basically yeah. like somebody running a centralized exchange, exchange yeah. that right. is basically going to offer all these things <clears throat> and then calling it like a like a dex and then it's not yeah i don't the think world the, were like decentralized or i don't think we should be using the word dex on there for sure like it doesn't it's a little bit facetious like to say it's a dex so i think that's kind of not what we should they should be doing um i don't know like it's uh it's it's a it's a good start but at the same time like how much liquidity is going to be attracted to some dude's wallet i'm not sure right like like, how do you know that's not a, you know, how do you know what's a rug pull well, and what isn't? You how, don't. Dude, how do you know that once the liquidity is there, he just doesn't go bye-bye, right? So to me, I, it's, I, I mean, I love Zephyr and I'm awesome, awesome to see some developments on it. But like, to me, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I have no problem if it's successful. That Don't get me wrong. It, that'd be awesome. I, I'd like a place to trade. Um, but yeah, like, you know, maybe it's like a step one and maybe like, over time um you know it's it's a place to get started i suppose i'm yeah know, someone, yeah it's a place to people get are willing to do if some liquidity miles, gets if get some liquidity out. gets committed if yeah liquidity gets committed there sufficient enough and you know even if it's like maybe some of the team tokens or how, i don't know how it's being done but like you know if if you just needed to like be able to trade between these things and you do it say reasonably safely and you don't you're not actually like having to worry about being an lp or or something that maybe it's okay i don't know i'm not sure but long run like it'd be nice if someone built like a like a thor chain fork you know black box type of thing and it ran autonomously even if it was really really simple right like even if it was just like fucking like maybe zephyr or zsd and maybe like bitcoin and that's it listen right? that, or, no so all i think and what i was getting to in the crux of like the convo yesterday or not yesterday, but some other time we talked is that I think the ZSD adoption is really what's going to bring the price and everything. And just use, I mean, the ZSD adoption, once people park their value into that, it's going to be forced to rise the collateral asset value. And people, I mean, my friend, when I was golfing with him, he's like, yo, the stable market is so big. Like, how does it, how do you capture that? Right. So to me, I would love first to see, the first obvious use of ZSD is like just in, immediately, which is the most common use in crypto, is as a trading instrument, right? And yes. I think that yeah. the question, like the thing to watch for is like, so Zeph, let's see it runs now to a billion market cap next or whatever. And at a billion market cap, how many people decide to convert their Zeph to ZSD to hold on to it in there as a store of value? with uh like you know as a stable dollar that's going to be to me the next bellwether as far as like what are pe are people going to actually use it for that or what you'll get a better uh, sense well so what you were saying like somebody forking like um thor chain or something and then what i would imagine is you don't really need ring signatures for the zsd aspect of it i mean you could utilize that or i don't know how like the liquidity pools or thor chain i know you tried to explain it to me i didn't have time to look too deep into the technicals yet but i mean yeah i don't all think, we would i don't think we have aspect I, exactly i don't think you need to worry so much about like i'm not worried about the dex itself preserving your privacy like for example if you log on to some system you know let's say you use a vpn or whatever it is and you 
trade from say either Zephyr to Tether or something, and you were to do this in a way that, you know, like you know, you're you're not having to even use a mixer or anything else, and you basically transfer that Tether to maybe a new private wallet of your making, right? You like well, it's so private. You have you have adoption already in the stable market, right? It's huge. There's tons of value there. What I want to do or focus or have is take those people, convince them, yo, your dollars are being washed in a sense, or they can be converted or like paused or turned off, right? And then give them an avenue or an on-ramp that DEX, yeah, like I, I agree. I don't care about the privacy preserving mechanisms on the actual DEX. Give them access to ZSD where they can easily take whatever stable they have currently, whether it's USDC, USDT, whatever it is, who could, I mean, there's tons of them out there, right? There's tons of value. Basically, give them an easy avenue to go into private stability through ZSD and swap that liquidity into ZSD and have the yeah. user be able to withdraw the ZSD from the DEX and you are now private completely. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, yeah, you can go in and out of like Zephyr and become private too. So, there's plenty of ways to sort of like, you know, leave some of the privacy concerns to the user. But, you know, at this point, I think it's like, okay, let's like take it the other way. Let's say you bought Tether on some exchange today and you sent it to like an address that is assigned to you. Um, what would you want to have happen there? I think what most people don't want to have happen is like, if I send, say, Tether to, I don't know, a tornado cash. I don't want a paper trail showing that I've gone from, you know, Kraken to a tornado cash address, a tornado cash address. I would rather like a new address be spun up, sort of like you get an ascent sex, basically. And if you could spontaneously get a new address spun up, you now have your tether on that address. And now you can swap to Zephyr and nobody realizes that you've gone to a swap exchange at all right that's what you'd ideally want to see in my view and then it's it becomes your problem as a user if someone says to come see you and says hey you transferred you know 100k out of kraken where did that go then that becomes up to you to tell whoever that's you know checking up on you to tell people where that went and that's a possibility by the way like the problem is like you look at on-ramps and off-ramps in terms of liquidity Anytime you're using any serious amounts of money, someone could question like where your money went. You know, uh, you know, like someone could walk up, you know, the investigator could say to you, oh, what did you do with this? And you have to like give them some, you know, assist, especially if they have a reason to believe that you committed some sort of crimes, you'd have to actually prove where your money went. Um, so in that sense, like you're not fully protected from that sort of thing, no matter what you do, because you have fiat on ramp somewhere. But once you get there and I want to swap to privacy, I don't want to be able to, I don't, I don't want to go to like, let's say it's a MEXC and I swap to Zephyr and someone can then go and like get MEXC's data and it says, oh, you bought this and you took that there. Um, you know, like the farther off you go to where like those are not exchanges that um, get sort of a magnifying glass on them, the less likely that someone's going to track what's happening to where. But the bottom line is you got to get your like fiat into something and then something into privacy somehow. And um, uh, yeah, like what is the right pathway? I don't know. Yeah. And then how do you want, like, if you did want to get it back, how would you get it back 
into the fiat uh, mechanism from that private pathway that chose. Yeah, I mean, th this is why, like, my intention is like, I'm throwing this into a black box. Mm, like, you know, as far as anyone knows, I could have lost money on Zephyr. Like, maybe I trade, I, maybe I convert to ZSD low. And I bought it back high, and my bag is worth zero now. Like as far as you know, you don't. <laughs> well, know. as far as everybody knows, I mean, you're the yeah. one actually painting the chart downwards. I mean, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who really knows? So, but the point is, like, let's say, um, you know, so like, you, you can't audit whether I lost money or gained money or anything within the within the system because it's a black box. My thinking is like, okay, if it sits there and it moons, like, what am I going to do with it? And it's like, I'll probably like look at ways to off ramp somewhere where i'm i'm using that um you know in a also in an obscure fashion right like i'm not bringing this back to fiat ever is my thinking i like what you said a long time ago as you said <clears throat> people who have the ability should be developing or doing something to adopt a zsd because when zephyr does pop those people will want to spend their dark internet money on something or somewhere Yeah, I think someone built a like a gold bullion exchange for Monero, which is funny. I don't know if anyone's used it, but it seemed kind of sketchy. That uh, that is interesting. The problem with something like that again is that when you go from privacy to not private, let's say they don't ship you your gold bar, what are you gonna do about it? Right? You don't have any. You don't have any recourse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if at least it was on chain, you could say, oh, I sent them this money, but like, there's no way to prove it if it's privacy. Uh, did you ever see the Monero, like, P2P ATMs? Have you ever seen those projects? No. What, what do they do? Somebody, like, basically built an ATM, right? And then you can put some sort of minor cash flow, but you can have the price of the asset be adjusted based on how much cash flow you have. So like kind of give incentives one way or the other, but then have like a local marketplace with an ATM somewhere, like say you have a local coffee shop or something. People can like buy and sell uh, Monero or with dollars or to each other. I think it's just some random side project I saw. I don't know, like uh, judging by my like vantage point over the history of crypto, I'm not too like bullish on the idea of like the general public and various like small businesses really heavily uh, doing anything crypto related. And here, the reason why is because one is like, let's say you're a business and you want to accept something. It took a long time just to get like most businesses to accept Visa, MasterCard, American Express. That was a thing that took a long time. It used to be that some places, I don't know if you remember this, but didn't even have like Amex. They'd only have, you know, Visa or MasterCard and or or Amex only or weird shit like that. That still is the case some places because they some places, do some yeah. weird, fe weird fees. Yeah, exactly. That's correct. So that you still have that some places. But for the most part, most places you can be sure that like, your card's going to get accepted by Square or, you know, whatever other, you know, platform, Stripe or whatever that you use, like, at the business. So fungibility became much more straightforward on, with credit cards 
when everything became widely accepted. And then you say, okay, well, like what would be the crypto that everybody has that someone might want to pay with? Okay, someone might want to pay with BTC, but the problem is like, wait a minute, like you're going to pay taxes every time you, you know, you're going to pay capital gains taxes because your Bitcoin's up now, or you, who's going to keep track of all that? You know, fuckery. I guess you could do it on KuCoin or not KuCoin, Coinly or something, but like it's weird. It's like too unusual of a user experience for that too, for taxes. Can and I then just on say something that, on that topic? Just just while you're going through that, you've you got to take into consideration that a lot of the time, VAT is applied to the credit card and debit card purchases, whereas the VAT would, oh, capital gains tax no, is the only thing you would pay. No, that, In the UK, that's this is. different. That's different. VAT I'm saying small businesses could benefit. Yeah, VAT and sales taxes, we have those um, in the US as well in the form of sales but taxes in many states. But on, the difference is that's calculated at the point of sale. Yeah, but imagine only paying that and not having to pay a fee for using Visa, MasterCard, and all that. That's where the benefit to small businesses come in because every transaction they lose, what, 3% or something like that? And yeah, it would be beneficial to, to pay that business, 3%. But, uh, let, let me kind of get to what I was going to say, though, but here's the problem with your business. The reason why you accept Visa, MasterCard, and Amex is because that's what your customers have. And if you don't accept Visa or MasterCard, your customer literally has no cash in their pocket and they, they can't buy your coffee. The thing now is like the vast majority of customers are not for lack of inability to buy coffee because they don't have like, you know, because, because like they don't accept crypto and crypto is the only thing you have to pay in, right? That's not a thing. And the second thing is those businesses, like which crypto are they going to accept? And how are they going to accept it? Are they going to use some kind of specialty exchange or something? That's going to then convert that to dollars because they can't accept a volatile asset because they need to have like a clean profit and loss statement for their business. It's going to be in stables um, for sure. They're not going to accept Bitcoin because it doesn't make any sense because like the minute they accept it, they're going to have to convert it to cash anyway, because if they don't, they can't like clarify what their cost basis is and also what their cost, like their sale price is in terms of doing everything from like their IRS statements to everything else. So like all of that becomes more complicated with, you know, accepting a volatile asset for, you know, your business. So then like the, the, the other thing is like, why would a business add a coin? Like, let's say a business decide to add, let's say, I don't know, Solana. And we're going to like, okay, we're going to accept Solana at our, you know, gas station. They would do this if they felt like a lot of the users were going to show up and only show up at their gas station, not their competitors, because they have they accept Solana coins, or like or their users that buy gas are running to them saying, "Hey, by the way, accept Solana. I want to pay in Solana." And but there is a way like, around that. No, but 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 they're going to get they're going to make more money as by accepting crypto. And the reality is in America today, at least. Your business will make no extra money by saying that you accept crypto. Like basically, hear me out. How do we know You're this? Is because people no, have tried it already. That's how we. And know. I didn't say that. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. There is, there is that. But you can also create a POS system that would automatically convert it to a stable coin via a Dex, AMM, whatever. Agreed. And at Agreed. that point, it ceases to be a volatile asset. It becomes feasible because it's. Right, you put in the amount you want in GBP on the POS system, it'll automatically, you know, that POS system is designed to automatically transfer it to a stable coin. You remove the volatile asset. But understand that like Or 90... just use the stable coin. Just use the ZSD. And I'm agreeing yeah. with Sheffy that nobody's going to want to 
as a business convert their asset instantly. And thus, they want to have either a third party accept that asset and convert it on their behalf and keep some books that they're like rectifying or accept the stable. But so that makes me more bullish on this private ZSD stable because all the other stables suck. But here's the thing if this was going to work, and if this was going to be something that businesses wanted, customers wanted, or whatever, or that maybe like some money could be made doing it, you would see a lot more of this happening already with Stripe and Square and a lot of these other companies. And the plus side here would be it'd probably be cheaper than accepting credit cards. Like if I could have at my business everyone paying crypto and we don't have to fucking pay this gigantic uh, transaction bill every year um to like visa and mastercard for the credit card transaction which is a lot of money by the way like if you have like let's say um a million dollars in revenue you're probably paying like 45 grand in tax you know payments to the visa mastercard people for the for the 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 you know privilege of accepting them essentially so it's expensive but at the same time like businesses do it because it's there's a multifold benefit one accepting cash sucks because you have to then deal with the cash box and all that shit you have to have like manage that you have to you know and then it makes electronic uh record keeping harder as well because then you got to reconcile your cash box you got to like deposit that you go to the bank and put it in the bank there's a whole lot of like you know nuisance that you take away you can focus on your business instead of worrying about your cash box um so there, there's some different reasons why like digitization helps but you take it from the perspective of any particular business. It would need to be a business that like, for sure has a reason they're gonna make more money by accepting crypto than if they did not. That is the only bottom line for business. Cause I could like, businesses already have a lot of shit to deal with. They got accounting to deal with. They got taxes every year to deal with. They got fucking, you know, chargebacks and whatever on their credit cards. To add another layer of complexity, um, would own, a business would only do this if they felt like, Either it's going to save money on existing transactions or B, the customers wanted it, or it's going to drive more business, something, right? There's got to be a positive business effect. I believe crypto would have that effect if you had a, like a, a, a total system, but that involves a CBDC ultimately, because what would happen is that now everyone's incentivized to use the thing. So the, the payment processors will definitely accept it because we, they know that everyone's going to be using it. If they can't be pretty sure everyone's using it, they're going to be kind of they're, they're not going to be too excited about adding it to their list of shit to do. Um, that's the thing. So when it comes to things like uh, Zephyr and whatnot, like what I'm looking at as far as if I'm going to spend my crypto on something today, um, the most obvious way I've seen to be able to use it would be businesses that accept crypto that are worldwide. So like if you look at like Travala.com, for example, why do they accept crypto? Because they feel like, okay, there's a fair amount of rich crypto people they're worldwide and they want to travel and they want to be able to use their crypto direct. Some of these people worldwide are, want to use it and they don't really want to leave a paper trail of sorts. They don't want to use their credit card and whatever, and they just want to transfer. And so they figure if you look at the entire world and you have an online business that sells travel shit, like, you know, plane tickets and, you know, cruises and shit, then you have enough customers online in a digital native money to have a digital native customer and now they buy in your services the same is true of like gift cards gift cards are basically a digital service and you're paying them online and a digital car, i mean a gift card business that focuses on crypto can basically sell gift cards to anyone in the world in theory if they have like it's set, it's set up a website properly 
So that's a different business type where you have gift cards or 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 um, travel and stuff like that. Um, the the question with I think digital money is going to be first. Like, where is digital money useful to people? Where it's even more useful than credit card or fiat. Um, one interesting thing is if you try to use a travel agency, let's say it's not in America and you try to use a credit card and you try to run it on the internet, if you've ever bought anything from America, from Europe, for example, um, like sometimes your card won't go through. It just like, it doesn't like it cause it thinks it's a scam or something's going on. So like with crypto, you don't have that concern on the flip side, crypto creates another set of problems that credit cards do not have. Remember, credit cards charge that 2% fee for a reason. They charge that fee because of like, sometimes a business will, um, you know, charge you for something that you didn't actually ask for. So maybe they'll overcharge you for something or whatever. And so you have, and then you have to contest that with the company or you need to have a chargeback happen and they give your money back if it's a scam or something. Um, and so the remittance process is kind of a middleman that prevents certain types of problems and deals with certain sorts of um, like, you know, financial problems. And to the extent that credit card companies, what they do with your money is they're almost insuring your transactions. Like I've had sometimes like a credit card scam where someone used like $20,000 um, and they bought some shit at a window shop at some in a different state using our corporate card. And um, I'm, we're like, um, we did not buy these windows with this corporate card. This is not us. And then, and so we reported it. They basically gave us back all our money. And the the vendor who loses the money, whoever sold those windows, whatever, they have to call the cops or whatever, get their money back. Why? Because they're the ones that didn't check the, the the credit card to make sure that it wasn't stolen or whatever. So it became their problem. But the the credit card company gave us our money back. Now there's a lot of cost that goes into that because some human beings have to handle that shit in the background. That's why when you pay for something on a credit card, you have a fee. With crypto, the problem is, let's say I go to Travala.com and they don't ship me my tickets or something. What am I going to do about it? Like, number one, am I going to sue them for it? Who has time for that shit? Are you going to just concede that you lost your money? Most likely. You're going to call them. Maybe they'll send you your crypto back. Maybe. Uh, maybe for their reputation's sake, they will. But there's no guarantee of this. Whereas with a credit card, you know, something happens, you can get your money back. So remittances is, is a layer of finance that is not so simple as saying, well, I just want to get rid of all the fees of credit card companies. Credit card companies actually do something for you in the background in some sense. Um, they also incidentally provide some level of um, privacy in the sense that nobody can know how much money's in your bank account if you use a credit card. Nobody can know how much, um, like, you know, how much money that you have on your credit card that you haven't paid back yet, right? There's certain information that is obfuscated from the merchant because they don't need to know. And in crypto, that's not the case. Like if you have a public wallet, the business knows what's in your wallet as soon as you use it. So they could use that to advertise to you or something like, oh, this guy's got a billion dollars of Bitcoin. I'm going to send him more advertisements for, you know, first class cruise lines or something. I don't know, whatever. The point is like, sometimes this is information that you don't want to share with uh, and that's where privacy coins come in. But the privacy coin has the problem of there's no paper trail to say, wait, like, how can you prove you sent something to such and such um, and um, without revealing your, your, you know, wallet address or some other features. They, ha they, so, have, like, they have abilities to do that with Monero. And I'm assuming the Zephyr people copied that as yeah. well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not that you couldn't. I'm just saying, like, um, so you, you no longer have did a transaction, but you no longer have the credit card company in as the middleman. So, like, let's say, you, you know, credit card company gives gold bullion dealer the ability to use Visa or MasterCard, and you, the customer, go to that gold bullion dealer, and you order like two thousand dollars worth of like, you know ounce of gold. And they didn't send you this ounce of gold. And you told the credit card companies, they didn't never sent me this, blah, blah, blah. The credit card company, more often than not, just gives you your money back, right? And then they, they charge a fee and take it back from, claw it back from the gold bullion dealer, whoever. The thing in crypto is you don't have any middleman. So there's no arbitrage in between, arbitra, um, arbitration in between, is the right word. And so you just basically lose your money if something goes wrong. That's another thing about crypto that um, you need a rail in the middle. And that's where, that's one of the rails that like Chainlink was working on, right? That the idea is if you're in the CCIP system, you could create rails that not only have privacy or even have like KYC sort of like privacy, meaning, um, you know, yeah. Like example would be like, uh, like if your KYC information is within the Chainlink system, there'll be some issuer of that KYC. Let's say your state government would incorporate CCIP. So what would happen is, is that you would, it would have a recording of your driver's license and whatnot in that system. And so when you use that particular CCIP ID, whatever your KYC ID is, then you can prove that you are in fact 21 years old to go buy alcohol at the store. So when you go and swipe your whatever to, to you know your new CCIP-based crypto credit card, you also have KYC information tied to your wallet somehow. And you know what you verifiable know. credentials are? Um, yeah, I think it's the same concept, right? Basically, same concept, but uh, same you have the digital JSON object that you cryptographically sign with some information, and you have a verifier who can basically prove, yep, this person, I did cryptographically sign this, and then you could carry this JSON object in your wallet and go to the gas station and give the gas station the JSON object, and they can take it and say, hey, issuer, like, they're the verifier, like, they're taking it to the issuer and be like, yo, did this person sign that? So um, what's your CCIP ID is basically just that concept, except the um, the verifier is the blockchain. Yeah, and, and you know, and there are certain limitations, of course, because, like, you know, like, someone could use your ID or something still and sign with your shit. So, like, there, there's potential, like, uh, ways to manipulate any of these systems at some level, but so, but these are the things people are working on in terms of making it possible to use and spend your crypto and whatever. Um, and I think what will happen is that, like to me, CBDC type tech is inevitable because if you don't do it, the countries that have it, I talked about this earlier, are going to have the network effects of that, and the U.S. dollar will lose that network effect. And uh, what will probably happen is you will actually have CBDCs for a lot of things, but my hope would be that you also have a lot of parallel currencies simultaneously, whether they're like currencies backed by BTC and issued, or maybe like, you know, all the different cryptos we play with, et cetera, I can tell et cetera. you the powers that be, this is what they want. They want your entity to be digitalized in some shape or form that you can control, like your KYC credentials. And then your KYC credentials are in the form of like these verifiable uh, credentials. They can then do all the types of 
things in the government, like open a bank account, get a loan, do all these different yep. things, have a credit yep. score, right? But it's all based on your KYC information. So yeah, and and the the civilization that has a lot more of that, and Noob knows about this because he goes back and forth in China. But China has a lot more of that, like ingrained in their schemes. So take for example, if you run a business in China. Um, all of the invoices of all the different things that you buy and sell are on the same sort of like Chinese network or some shit. And basically what that means is when it comes time to sort of setting up your accounting to decide, wait, what, what was this an expense? What was it a, like, you know, if you've ever done accounting, you've got to like assign all your different invoices to, was this an expense? Was it a, um, you know, were you buying inventory? Like what, what were you doing with this money? It's all sort of recorded there so that when it comes time to doing, you know, your your balance sheet and all of that, it's really, really easy. Um, so one of the reasons why all of this is going to come out and continue to permeate society, like, again, whether you like it or not, is because most of us prefer convenience. In fact, most businesses, if they could, you know, no longer have so much of a hassle doing invoices between different things. And uh, would get rid of the hassle with like we have so much friction in the current um, running a business. It's like the amount of time you spend bookkeeping and accounting is easily you know one to three percent of the cost of a business. Um, so that's like a separate expense that every business has. That if you can get rid of it, it would make a big difference in terms of efficiency. So the U.S. like entire economic system. Imagine if like it made 3% more money because like you had more efficient frictionless systems. So the, the trend is going to be to introduce more of these things. But the problem with that trend is that we talked about it earlier is CBDCs and all of these sort of systems tend to be easy to um, abuse for centralization of power and controlling people's freedoms and such, being able to shut off your spigot in terms of money anytime anyone wants to. Um, it's like that trucker strike that happened in Canada, for example, and, you know, like, oh, you people are bad actors. We're going to shut off your bank account and whatever. And people couldn't get into their bank accounts for God knows how long. Um, so yeah, I mean, like as a way to now, whether you think it was the right thing to stop all the truckers from stopping a bunch of 18 wheelers all over in Canada, whether you believe that's the right thing to do, that's a different discussion altogether. Whether or not you believe that money as a lever to control their ability to do that is another discussion entirely and then like how easy do you make that to happen um you know that's another discussion too so like yeah it's like uh but we're going definitely in this direction for sure um increasing efficiency decade after decade um uh, in terms of like velocity of money and what swift and dtcc we're talking about is and this is like the banking and the stock trading consortiums uh, they're the sort of communication layer between banks and uh, stock brokerages, those two combined. They're like, they're trying to get lower transaction time. So it's like, I think they call it like T plus two is like, once you do a transaction, it takes that plus two days to finalize that transaction. And, um, and uh, like, it's the reason why, like, if you're on an exchange and you, deposit money from your bank account into let's say a kraken or a coinbase it might take like three to seven days depending on the amount of money to finalize that transaction right the the um and what they're trying to go for is trying to get to t plus zero meaning your transaction settles the moment you actually do the transaction as opposed to settling 
a week later or two days later or whatever it is. So that's the trend. Like that's what they want. Um, it's what everyone isn't that, wants. Isn't that what the new ISO twenty? Oh, sorry, is it twenty twenty two? Isn't that what the new standard is for? That like, all the messaging systems have yeah. to be, well, deploy to in the next what year yeah. or something like that? I, I don't remember the yeah, but yeah, the, those standards change periodically. Just you know, just to kind of tweak them. And um, yeah, so they'll so basically like yeah, the the messaging standard between those platforms. Um, is what uh, it gets tweaked over the years a little bit here and there, but it's this is being enforced, isn't it? Like th this one in particular yes. is being enforced. Yeah, yeah. They'll 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 always be enforced because you don't you can't have like a bunch of different banks doing a bunch of different things. So typically, how it gets enforced is the central banks of the United States. Like if you're not able to connect to the central banks of the United States, it's almost like you don't exist, right? Like you're 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 basically like cutting off most of liquidity. So it obviously makes sense that like most international banks are going to connect to them and they do so currently via Swift. Whatever like Swift uses as their standard is like everyone's going to use like why wouldn't you? But it's no different than like if HDMI you know 1.4 comes out or whatever it is, you know, then everyone changes their standards on the TVs and on the Apple TV or whatever and they change it on the kit, you know, maybe it takes a heftier cable or whatever. You know, USB-C changes. It's like that. It's like it's a standard shift. And um, that'll happen as tech changes and, you know, different speed requirements or whatever. And I'm not sure what the the changes that are being made at this point um, on those systems actually are. But um, some of those banking standards just fucking blow anyway. Like right now, like, like if I like trying to import, like even the fact that you have to have a separate company like Plaid or whatever to connect your bank to your accounting software is just a fucking mess anyway. Like. So banks are paying for a service. So they pay for that service. Why? They pay for it because they have no way of like connecting to your accounting software otherwise. So what happens is you'll get into your uh, QuickBooks or NetSuite or whatever. You will connect via Plaid to your bank and that will bring your data in on, you know, the data feed of what's on your bank. What Chainlink is basically doing is it's trying to create the system where if you have CCIP, any bank could connect their software to it. And now the difference will be is you'll be able to get your statements into um, your accounting software and bring that data in. And if everyone uses the same fucking system, which, by the way, they don't right now, this is why, like, Plaid has to connect to each bank separately. And, like, um, if your bank gets disconnected from the latest, greatest thing and or doesn't want to pay for it, then now you have to import your banking statements literally by CSV files into your accounting software, which blows. So the user experience basically sucks. And this is kind of the friction that's there in business. If you see like from like, at least on an American perspective, the Chinese have it much easier, apparently, according to Noob. Um, it's like they have a very cohesive system for that. Um, but we spend a lot of wasted time and effort on all these um, sort of like accounting things. And there's a bunch of middlemen too. Like, you know, what needs to happen is a relatively cheap standard gets created, which a decentralized system, and now you're no longer paying plaid and who are the fuck else for these services which then get passed on to everybody anyway right because if the bank char is charged fees to do this they're going to pass it on to you in the form of like some sort of transaction fees or something somewhere because they can't do it for free so um yeah it's it's interesting how these things have played out um so i can, I can see where like as a as someone that runs a business like and has you know understands the bookkeeping the accounting behind it like i can understand why Chainlink is doing what it's doing and that is like you have to really be able to connect literally everything to everything it's sort of like the internet of finance 
you can't just connect some of the stuff to some of the stuff some of the time. Otherwise, you get the shitty system we have now, which in the U.S. kind of blows, honestly. Like, it's, it's, it's a pretty big hassle. Simple example would be like if you have a business and you're building houses and um, you go and you buy some shit at Home Depot today and you have a receipt from Home Depot, like let's say it's 20 bucks for a hammer. Um, and then you go to like, you know, Walmart because you bought some tape or something. And now you have these two receipts. Those receipts have to literally be manually inputted into an accounting software of some kind. Why in the fuck, in the world of fuck, like in, in America with the modern internet, internet today, is it not possible to simply have your accounting software tied to a universal standard that every company has to abide by that where there's an API that you log into just like you would log into your you know, Home Depot account or whatever on online. Why isn't there a way to simply connect your accounting software to any company that traditionally like services anybody, right? A universal standard that all you have to do is, is no different than logging into some website. And you see this happening, by the way, with universal logins. Have you been to a website where you'll log in with your Gmail account or you'll log in with your Amazon account or something like that? It'd be something similar, but like it'd be a systematic method where you log in with something you can now tie your financial institution, you can tie your vendor, like your, your you know, the, the hardware store, you could tie it into your accounting software. And all, every time you buy something at Home Depot using your corporate credit card, it's automatically going to take that and dump into your system, into the accounting system. Now, it may not know what you're buying it for. Like, let's say, if you're buying that hammer for resale, that's a different thing. That's an inventory item. If you're buying the hammer to use it, that's a different thing. Sales taxes are different for those two circumstances as well. Resale items, they don't charge you sales taxes, whereas items that you're going to use. So what would happen is when you go to the cash register to buy this thing, you would probably punch in on a menu, okay, I'm buying this for sale versus I'm buying this for to use for my business. And all of the taxing shit will be taken care of. Any sort of like tax on purchases will be sent to the state you know, whatever. Like the, the the point is like the way it is set up now, it's just a fucking mess. If you own a business in America, you understand that like tax prep, bookkeeping, and managing all this bullshit constitutes approximately five percent of your business time, if not more. So for large corporations, they say that can be up to 10% of their actual effort goes into bookkeeping accounting. I mean if you're making widgets, if you're making you're trying to sell, I don't know, you know, you, you, you know, whatever, uh, you're trying to sell buildings or something like why in the fuck is in 2024, are you spending time doing something that the technology could easily solve, um, at this point? So like we have like business people have really, really weak infrastructure, I would say compared to like even regular consumers, uh, when it comes to these accounting, bookkeeping, reporting and taxing related problems. And so, yeah, if you can see, if there's any uh, crypto space thing that is trying to solve for that, then I'll have a tendency to be bullish on a long run. Those things are very hard to build out and they're even harder to have adoption build out around. So for example, NetSuite, um, which is a like the enterprise grade uh, package from Oracle, which is like an accounting package, like call it QuickBooks, is something that NetSuite's had for a while. And you have like big companies like probably like Apple or Nike or, you know, company, the big companies will tend to use something like that. I'm not sure about Apple, by the way, I made that up, but big companies, like it's like enterprise grade. A lot of the Fortune 500 are on NetSuite, for example. Um, and um, they will use that system because it's like really robust when it comes to accounting. But even that doesn't do like most of the stuff I'm talking about as far as 
um, integrating with, you know, you know, pulling in receipts and things like that. Um, some people are using AI for this now a little bit to try to like dissect what it is that you bought, and fill out all the bookkeeping paperwork for it. But that's still kind of plus or minus in terms of total effectiveness. Um, you know, so there's just definitely some room. So I, I like what, like the way Chainlink is creating kind of a protocol for financial transactions. They're going first to like banks and stocks, but it wouldn't be difficult to create a system where they created universal uh, design language or a universal like interface language for yeah receipts or whatever it is, right? Paying the rent thing. And then you could create those smart contracts based systems and then like the the new like let's say you're the hardware store and you're trying to incorporate ccip you do that with your system and let's say you're running on quickbooks netsuite you incorporate that and then from now on anytime someone uses um like they buy something from you that ccip system transact translates two things one is it knows that you're connected to home depot but it also knows your business and it knows like what your preferences are for where the receipts from that business usually go and blah, blah, blah. And if it's not sure, it'll ask you, like, was this hammer bought for resale? Was this hammer bought for inventory or, or, or was it bought for uh, like usage? Um, and so it'll do the taxes and everything for you. And then as, assuming that you have a comp, you have like your state tax authority is connected like through CCIP, then the sales tax can be ported right to them immediately. So um, that's like what the universe of finance would look like in a computerized system is everything just sort of happens almost spontaneously with the business owner and the consumer having to do very little right now. What we have is just a hodgepodge bullshit system that really just wastes a tremendous amount of uh, money and energy. Um, and some of it's to create just a bunch of jobs that like, you know, probably will disappear in the future. Bookkeepers, a lot of accounting work, um, TurboTax and all of their, um, the tax like preparation people are a gigantic lobby and, and they prefer complicated taxes because then they can make more money selling your tax software and shit. But in the long run, the ideal thing would be why in the world do most individuals even have to do any of this shit? Like, honestly, like, is there no good reason why you couldn't just have like, let's say you have some, I don't know, IRS website or something. And automatically your bank would send them and they send this shit to them anyway. They send them like how much interest you made on your bank account. They send them information like um, how much interest payments you paid on your loan because you can deduct those usually from your house, from your income taxes or like, you know, whatever. The point is like in theory, you know, why does there even exist these tax intermediaries? Why aren't we just simply connecting to a government website? Because they get that data fucking anyway. Who gives a shit whether you're you know, doing it through some secondary thing or whatever, right? So I, I think like those efficiencies are pretty bad in America. Um, it's actually kind of funny how technologically backwards um, the United States financial architecture is considering that we're in 2024. Pretty embarrassing, actually. It's fucking lazy. And it really like, and if you look at the politicians in America, you can tell that they're imbeciles. How do you know? Because we still have the system we have. It's like, you don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that no one's, like literally everyone's fucking asleep at the switch. And most of these people have no idea what they're doing. Like that's, that, that's for sure. So like anybody who's like, not so sure if the government is, you know, has a conspiracy to control you. I can tell you this, the government's fucking incompetent. They can't control themselves, much less even create a normal money system. And people are worried about like 
how much they're going to control you and stuff. Like that is not the problem right now. The problem is just sheer absolute government incompetence and extraordinary amount of waste of American taxpayer and like American citizens money on stupid shit that makes no sense at all. And these are just examples. The financial waste is just unbelievably bad. Like like lately, for example, the Pentagon couldn't or the Defense Department couldn't actually tell anyone where the money went. Like they have like they have so much money flowing to so many places they have no fucking clue where any of the money actually goes. And that just gives an example of where like, you know, a a universe of interconnected systems, you know, which is what Chainlink is trying to build, that's where that type of system becomes feasible. And what we know so far is like banks don't know what the fuck they're doing with tech. In fact, banks barely know how to run them fucking cells into the ground without having to worry about the tech part. So Banks don't want to sort this out. SWIFT and those type of agencies, they're not technical wizards. They're basically like a consortium of like whatever they do. Um, you know, companies like DTCC or whatever, yeah, they've got to maintain computer records, but they don't know how to build the tech necessarily themselves either. They could hire people to do it, but then, but then you got the problem of like SWIFT is on a different system than DTCC. DTCC is on a different system than the IRS, and et cetera, et cetera. You have to, and. And the IRS is not going to go and take on and install a, a system that they have to pay specific like extra fees to. If they're going to take a contract, they want to have a decentralized system that they know that either they control or that is not controllable, one of the two. But they don't want to go to a private entity to handle like you know the IRS duties and whatever. So in general, like all of these different entities, government, finance, whatever the consumer, the business, they want to have some cross-chain protocol or cross-protocol between everything and where everything connects everything. And that's the end goal. Not necessarily like creating a specialized subsystem for a subsystem of some section of banking industry or whatever. That's not enough. Well, I mean, speaking of government incompetence, look what I just pinned in the nest. <laughs> it's, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That, I mean, who knows what that's all about? Just It's literally Gary Gensler trying to enforce the regulation and break the rules, basically. And they're all like, well, we, we don't we don't want to lose our, our, our practice, our, our, our license to practice law. See you guys later. It's just like Gary. Yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if they're going to. Who knows what the reason for the exodus is? Another exodus in the government might be because like the the inflation so high and and people are going broke working in the public sector. <laughs> like maybe they're looking for private sector jobs. I mean, who knows? What it doesn't work, mate. Because I literally had the same conversation with my boss on my one-to-one a couple of days ago. There's nothing worse. Because I saw this. Sorry, Carl. No, I saw this. I saw this comment uh, that that this guy made, and it's like I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what the reasons why there's an exodus of lawyers, or even if it's true. I'm not sure what the source is. Uh, it's Fox News. Whatever the case is, but... it's Charles uh, Gasparian here. He's a, he's a journalist for Fox News. Uh, but did he say like what the reason for this is? He didn't, did he? Like, yeah, we know that they lost a bunch of lawsuits, but is that the reason why the lawyers would quit? I mean, like they get paid, right? Uh, so what? They get paid whether they win or lose. It doesn't matter. So it says Fox businesses withholding names to protect uh, protect privacy. The move suggests that the bleed is under senior uh, is the bleed of senior staff under Gary Gensler's controversial leadership of the agent isn't letting up. Uh, there'll be more at you three forty five p.m. Are you New York? Like your time, your time. Um, yeah. What what about it? Three fifty some. Three forty five p.m. is roughly when uh, they'll be updating it. I mean, there might be another one since. <laughs> They're gonna make it. 
they're going to make a statement of some kind? Or? Well, Fox News is. Uh, oh. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. The, the, no, but what I'm saying about incompetence is that, like, th- that's just like all, like, all these things about crypto are superficial. What I'm talking about is stuff that, like, you know, if you could implement, like, a, even a fraction of what I'm talking about, like, you would save the United States on the order of, like, trillions at a time. Like, we lose, the United States loses so much productive capacity because of sheer nonsense in terms of systemic nonsense. And if you look at what the pol- political class cares about, it has nothing to do with fixing any of the most expensive things that America spends money on. Like, we would rather, like, instead of solving, like, having a systematic approach to dealing with, like, reducing friction for American businesses, it's like, oh, let's have a, let's go have a war somewhere or send money for who the fucks knows what. Um, and so like, yeah, there's, there's very little attention being paid, I think, to um, the most like easiest infrastructure corrections. For example, it's better to hire 70,000 new IRS people to go <laughs> after crypto transactions than it is to actually fix a gigantically expensive system that does a poor job reporting taxes in the first place yeah, but there's a reason, the whole thing is just but there's a reason why it's because let's be honest a lot of the people in politics have companies that make money from this it's like how hollywood hires hollywood and they overcharge to yes, say, yeah uh, you're describing basically a moloch a moloch phenomenon it's like incentives are misaligned and they lead to all sorts of you know silly outcomes um like lots of different incentives are misaligned yeah that being one of them is like you know, TurboTax doesn't, they have a bunch of lawyers and, I mean, I'm sorry, lobbyists who don't want the tax code to be simplified because they lose money if they, if that changes. But, um, yeah, but if like the political class cared one iota about what they're doing, or some of the times I just think, it's not that they don't care. I just think they're just too stupid. Like the, the most obvious conclusion is usually the simple one and that poli- the political class are just morons largely. Because if you lo- see a lot of the people speak, like go listen to Kamala Harris. She's an imbecile by any like normal measure. Like she's vice president. What does that tell you? Um, you know, like she she barely can finish a sentence properly without like you know coming across as a complete moron. Like I don't even know what's going on there. But like the point is, like a lot of people in government are like this. So like what we would need, like for example, a simple thing would be the government could simply say from now on, like receipts and invoices handed out by your stores, Walmart, your Home Depot, it doesn't matter what it is, your movie theater ticket, doesn't make any difference. All of those receipts are going to be a standard format. That format is going to be in this format that we have spoken to a consortium of people. We've talked to the accounting people. We've talked to QuickBooks. We've talked to Net, NetSuite, whoever, whoever does the different electronic thing. And this is going to be transmitted electronically to the owner of this credit card or whatever, so that every time you swipe on your Amex, your receipt goes to your Amex and in, 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 like, or your Visa or your MasterCard, whatever, in this electronic format, and it just doesn't contain the amount that you spent. It actually contains other sort of metadata, and that can be imported into whatever. And now you, it like simplifies accounting. How long does that fucking take? It doesn't take long. Sethi, the, the problem is like, you want everyone else to solve the problem, but I don't see you running for office when you'd probably get voted in. You're charismatic. Yeah, You've got all that. Like, and you could no, I, you, you could the, the reason why Americans don't run for office is because like no good deed goes unpunished, which is why there's a Moloch effect of imbeciles running government. I agree with you. Like, should I be doing something? Probably. But am I likely to get punished and my family destroyed if I do? Probably. So it's almost like going to war if you have to try to change something and you have to be willing to sort of take the political fallout. I agree. 
the type of people that are like logical and rational are not incentivized to go into government in America today. That's why you have morons running like, like what, like what universe do you have 400 million people and like someone like a Joe Biden or even Trump, it doesn't matter which camp you're on. Like, why would either of those be think, like great presidents? Think about Trump. And this is it. He's yeah. a good businessman. Like everything else he did was fucking stupid. Like everything he said was almost fucking ridiculous. But he was actually respected. By yeah, he says he, he says a lot of retarded shit. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, wh- whether you're again, but he he's not the person to fix the type of problems I'm describing. Right? These are more like. But the thing is, you know who who does fix these problems or who considers them is people in. Um, think tanks for the left or the right and those think tanks apparently can't seem to no like come up with strategies for there's an agenda there's always an agenda and the reason why they can't think of it is as i've described they've probably got friends who are saying don't fix this please don't fix this (laughs) i'll I'll send you some money under your paper don't fix this please (laughs) like in the in the u.s um like veteran system as an example there's a computer system that they use um, for patient care and whatnot, and there was talk about them upgrading to something else going on now, like seven years. An entire new generation of tech has happened in that seven years that they've been talking about this, and still no actual implementation has occurred. And a lot of this has to do with some of its cost, of course, like where's the money going to come from? Because big changes require um, someone to pay some money. Um, and the second is like, who is going to champion implementing all of this across a very complex system where no individuals incentivized actually? Can I turn around and tell you what? Governments, it wouldn't cost that much to it, fix or, or to upgrade. You like, just hire a developer. You hire like a team to do it. And then you- oh, no, not not for a system that, that has, connects like dozens of disparate systems that have nothing to do with each other. And you have to also cause all of those systems to change too. I literally remember I, I like work, if a radiology system. I work in cloud services. Radiology images have to come into some new system, right? You have to have all those interfaces compatible. Yeah. And there's always right? ways of doing it. You can't just like, yeah, but it's not like just call a developer and like, no, 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 no. It, fix. Remember your system has to be live while all this is taking place. Yeah. Too. But you can But my point is not them. that. Here's the thing, like the reason why it doesn't happen is not because people don't have decent ideas. Hey, by the way, this tech is over here implemented. It doesn't happen. One is money, but two is like you have to have an extreme level of like competence in terms of like aligning incentives to make sure this happens for some reason. So in government structures, the only thing something happens is legislation happens and they say, oh, you must do this. And then, okay, we all must do this. But there's nobody in the system that is incentivized. Because if you own your own business, Chugs, the difference is if you're Home Depot and you created an, like an electronic system for people to buy shit on your website, then the difference is, is that like Home Depot makes more money because people want to use the internet and they want to use that to buy products. And that's exactly what Home Depot specifically did. They got better than the competitor Lowe's at creating an online business platform. And so they, they got some more business from it. So you internal, incentivize, in, internal systems are incentivized to align with the consumer the business and whatever, and everyone makes more money. Uh, the consumer gets access to you know more convenience, the business, so everything's aligned, right? But in government systems, the problem is nothing is aligned. Nobody within government, you know, like benefits directly from the government performing more effectively or for that matter, any of these things. So what's happened in the US in particular is um, over the 1970s onwards, the number of laws that the United States produced because computers increased exponentially. 
there's pretty good TED talks on this too. Like the amount of legalese has blown exponentially out of proportion. Um, the complexity of like the, the, the rules you have to comply with has exploded, but what hasn't exploded is the ability to handle all of that. And, um, what, what you have is like just a weird, like just serpentine bureaucracy that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And no one is really incentivized to solve anything. And even a guy like Trump that showed up, he was like, yeah, I'm going to really like reduce regulations and do this, this, and this. But like now we have a space force, which is another agency, and none of the existing agencies have been eliminated. Like there's no obvious reason for the Department of, you know, the Department of uh, what is it called Education in America. They don't do anything. Like literally, they don't. Like state governments handle this. They do literally zero. And there's no reason for their existence. They should be shut down. It's a waste of money. But like even the people that go into government that make claims that they're going to do X, Y, and Z, they don't do it anyway. These 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 silly institutions that waste money just go on and on and they don't solve these problems either. Um, the, the other thing Chugs is the best and brightest don't go into government. Let's just face it. Like if you're a tech genius, are you going to be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go and like work for the government and fix all their shit. No, you're not going to do that because no one's going to listen to you anyway. Yeah. So no one listens the, to intelligence. the reason why. I mean, yeah, so what you have you to do have an example, like you you've been giving people all these amazing calls and they just don't follow retweet or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like, like, imagine you'd have to go into government with the thought that like, okay, the people have some fucking clue what I'm talking about. And they believe that like, oh, this plan would be useful for the United States. But this is not what the general public cares about. It's more just like bread and circus type thing. Like, oh, like, what are you going to do about abortion? And are you going to make it better or worse? Are you going to be like, you know, are you going to be um, like, so the stuff people care about is what people go to the box office to vote for. I mean, the, the ballot box. Um, they don't necessarily vote for the guy or whatever that, you know, has an actual plan to do anything particularly useful. So this is the thing about, um, so like, it's almost like it, dictators have the opposite problem. Dictators have the problem that they can actually just take a s amount of money and make sure that, hey, that guy does X, Y, and Z. The problem with dictators is, is that like, they're always at risk of, you know, the, the system breaks if they die, because like, everything is reliant on that person. And there's always someone gunning for the dictator to kill him too. So there's that problem. So dictators have one set of problems, institutional based um, systems have another set of problems. And uh, like, but a lot of inefficiencies that could be just sort of like solved in government with relatively low tech, honestly, it's not like a tech, you know, like, we already have all the tech to send you emails about your receipts and everything else. The only thing that doesn't happen right now is that like, imagine if you had an email address tied to your credit card bill or simply your credit card bill contains all the data necessary. Like you swipe a credit card at, you know, at whatever with your business card. And it has like, you know, okay, you spent gas in San Francisco and you all, all you have to do is tag it as, okay, this was spent for, you know, like, you know, travel and leisure is a spent for um i don't know like you know delivering stuff for your business so then you can like you know give it the proper tax treatment and move on that doesn't happen even now but right now what we have is we have a messaging infrastructure with the credit card companies where you'll see on your bank statement or your credit card statement like what you spent this money on it'll say you spent it on starbucks or whatever but what it doesn't give you any data you can't attach any metadata to it regarding like anything accountants care about and that's that's a problematic thing. But isn't that a bank like, thing? It would be much as opposed to like the government. Couldn't the banks lobby for this to make life easier? 
literally adding a reference or a tag via the banking app on your phone. And then obviously you just you put it under a category if it's a business card, because obviously it's registered as a business card yeah. if you get it. So technically it's not the government's fault, although they could enforce it, it's the bank's fault. No, you're right. No, there's a lot of different people at fault. Yeah. There's a lot of different people at fault. But the problem is is that like a bank doesn't want to do a whole lot better because the customers aren't necessarily asking for it. And this is the other thing. The general public oftentimes don't know what they need. Right. Like like, you know, you'll complain to the bank to say, hey, by the way, these efficiencies be better. But the problem is only like one out of like 100 people know what that is. Everyone else would like it if they built it, but they don't know what it is to ask for it. And so these are not the things that drive customers to banks. So they don't spend money on fixing them. So, yeah, these are like infrastructure issues. You know, like how many people go up to their bank and go like, you know what? We think the Swift infrastructure is gay. I want you to change that. Like, you know, like nobody does this. Like. Nobody knows what that is and they don't, nobody cares. The general public is like, doesn't care. So it does, like, if you look at the history of SWIFT and you look at the history of some of these institutions and consortiums that came about, they come up sort of semi-organically out of industry. The banking system says, hey, we got a way to get international bank transfers to happen. And then SWIFT emerges and it's kind of, it becomes like an international consortium that is sort of like Switzerland, like neutral sort of, and um, that way no one, you know, government can fully control them although they we sort of do because like nato in the us if you get cut off from swift like i believe russia did you basically just get fucked right yeah, like, no, that, no, that, that's why uh, BRICS, there is some that's why BRICS was expedited because obviously china russia yeah. and all that were like well no fuck off and they've made their own they want more trading yeah, yeah exactly and that's that's you have heard that the uh the dollar or the petrodollar is basically being ceased in saudi arabia right What's that? Yeah. Well, I don't know about ceased. Uh, Saudi Arabia can't afford the petrodollar to cease because they don't have a way to defend themselves. So that's a different problem. They are, but they're yeah. partnering with the Chinese one, as far as I'm aware. Like the bottom line is, like if you attack um, Saudi refinery of the 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 oil capacity infrastructure, you could put Saudi Arabia in the Stone Age in under a week. I kid you not. Like they have no defense infrastructure at all. So so they're they're not in in a rush to sort of like completely disassociate but at the same time you know that doesn't mean they won't necessarily also join BRICS and maybe also sell some other oil and other currencies at some point or you know whatever that's so those those things can definitely happen but Saudi's not really in a position to like uh completely like um disconnect from uh the west necessarily it's it's an interesting yeah, but you never know. These geopolitics, they change. Well, I, I'd say Saudi yeah. currently is like the Switzerland of the, well, it, it is, is like Switzerland. They, they just want to remain neutral, keep their own values. I mean, they're trying to be. Yeah. yeah. And if they're accepting more currencies, that they're they're trying to be more neutral. Exactly. Uh, uh, I know I know India now don't uh, deal in the petrodollar. They, um, they've migrated to actually using rupees, uh, and that gets converted into something else. I don't know what, but yeah. Although, although you do have to be careful, like, who you piss off and when because when Moloch wakes up what happens is is that like if you look at what happened to Iraq um like if you look at new american century which is like the george bush um you know like group you know back in what is it two, 2000 i don't remember what the dates are operation desert storm yeah so if you look at desert storm what happened is there's plenty of evidence to argue that the the wmd sort of like story was 
you know, something that maybe CIA thought was a thing. Maybe they thought it wasn't. Who knows? Like, or maybe. Seppi, like, you know fully well this a, was for oil. Even the fucking British Army, like intelligence officers that have come out of the war, said it was for yeah. oil. Well, not just not just not just for oil, but like the preservation of petrodollar. Because one of the things that um, uh, Saddam Hussein was arguing at the time was that he was going to move off the dollar into you know basket of currencies or some other thing to accept Iraqi oil. And if you'll notice at this moment, Iraqi oil is denominated in dollars. So technically speaking, the Iraq wars were won. Um, if you if you think that is the outcome that was meant to be had, not the WMD argument. So yeah, there are people that argue that. Now I don't know for sure. Like again, like you can get into conspiracy theory and whatever. It's really hard to know. If you if you run a country, you'll realize you're fucked because you have the information you're getting is coming from all sorts of sources. And you will even as a president or a Congress or whatever, you don't have perfect symmetrical information. So yeah, whether they really believed it, whether they didn't believe it, who the fuck knows? I think Saddam Hussein like was easy to believe he might have WMDs because he's used chemical weapons before. So that was what that was all about. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, but like realistically would be going into Iraq if it wasn't for oil production, probably not. Um, so definitely interests align in Moloch or raises ugly head and Moloch is all the unintended consequences kind of that like happen when you have these things, you know, the fog of politics and war. But anyway, but the thing is, yeah, like what's going to happen is BRICS going to be a big thing. Who knows? Um, hard to really say, but like the, the problem with BRICS is it's highly asymmetric. And the, the problem is, is that like, take for example, India, there's not enough shit that enough shit that Russia wants. Like, uh, like India can buy stuff with rubles, but on the other hand, uh, Russia doesn't have enough shit. Like India doesn't have enough shit that Russia wants that they're going to hold a bunch of rupees in their bank account. You see the problem, Chugs? So the thing about BRICS is like you have a lot of countries that don't are not on equal footing, nor do they have like an equal expression of power in their various spheres. So it's like, you know, and not only that, but a lot of these governments are pretty questionable in terms of their own way of how like they inflate their own currencies and their own like uh public discourse so like india is a good example i mean their inflation always runs high and they print a lot of fucking money if you think that u.s prints money i mean the normal interest rate in india is like 10 to 12 percent or something that's like it's, it's like very different so the thing is like these discrepant um, groups they'd like to form consortiums but does that does the BRICS system result in a new coin like the euro or the U.S. dollar, or are they just going to somehow attempt to trade together um, where they can't be sanctioned? That's a slightly different thing. Um, and by the way, like, there's no guarantee that the U.S. doesn't exert more pressure on Saudi Arabia or whoever. They're like, you know, so that, that you never know how that all plays out in geopolitics. Um, but anyway, yeah, because like, Saudis have their own problem in the form of Iran nearby. Iran and Saudi Arabia are very much not allies. <laughs> like, like they have very different ideologies. So, um, and Iran is exerting its military influence all over the region. And um, whereas the Saudis don't do nearly as much of that sort of thing. And, and, and Saudis actually don't have a particularly stable country either. A lot of people in Saudi Arabia are quite poor. And this was the gripe of Osama bin Laden, if you if you know what that's all about. His his bitching was that like because Saudis and the U.S. you know collude to do this and that, the soil Saudi the Royal Saudi um, 
the Saudi royal family does really, really well, which included, by the way, bin Laden's own like ilk. <laughs> like he's, he's part of that, you know, giant royal family. And by royal family, it's like 50,000 plus people. But it's uh, the point is like the, the rich get really rich along these lines. Yeah. But Saudi is basically a gigantic, poor, highly um, Wahhabist sort of like um, crowd that, that so Saudis aren't the Saudi Arabian like area is not as stable as one might like to believe like you could destabilize very quickly if something happened to say for example oil production or something um so yeah their national defense is always in question that makes sense I, it, so yeah i mean who knows but they could they might also disagree with sanctioning russia over ukraine for example Right. That's Putin's bitching about. He's like, well, like nobody sanctions the U.S. when they go into Iraq. Like, why do you have the right to sanction us if we go into Ukraine or something like that? He's not wrong, though. He's really not wrong. But that's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the same time, like, um, yeah, it's like it depends on your ideology, whether you're going to believe he's wrong or not. It's like it's very, very subjective. in that. Sense. I think America and obviously this isn't the people, this is the American government keep pushing wars in multitudes of different ways to, to basically swing their dick about. And I think one day their dick's going to get bitten off and it's going to fuck them up. And ultimately, yeah, America is a very strong country, but you couldn't take Vietnam. <laughs> and I think that's just one yeah, example but, of what but, could happen but again. The, the way you, but the way the Cold War was won was not by taking those things. What, the way the Cold War was won was basically bankrupting the Soviet Union at that point. So technically yeah. speaking, Ronald Reagan won at the end of the day. In that yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. Um, you, the, the, hegemonic, the hegemonic power over the last hundred years, like clearly, has centered on the U.S. No matter how you look at it. So, like, yeah, but it is very difficult to take um, a foreign land and control it for any conceivable period of time. That everyone sort of gets. In fact, Russia's getting that too. They do, They got their ass handed to them in Afghanistan. They've they're getting they're taking like ridiculous amounts of losses in simple something like Ukraine. Um, so yeah, it's very hard to take a country that doesn't want to be taken and hold it for good. Uh, Did you hear about Finland? Uh, Finland's threat to Russia. So do, um, do you know much? Do you know much about they, Finland? I saw a little bit about it, but what, what's the what's the? Gist? There's a documentary on it, uh, and basically, do you know what happened in World War Two, where Russia basically tried to take parts of Finland for defensible positions, and they were like, "No, fuck off." Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so going back to then, ever since then, uh, Finland have basically been arming themselves to the teeth just in case Russia tries something. And they've got an entire forest that separates them, filled with booby traps, artillery. And they basically keep saying to the Russians, if yeah. you want to play a piece of us, fucking try it. We'll drive you back quicker than, <laughs> quicker than anything. On the, on, the, like, on the plus side, one thing I do believe um, about Putin is that like, Russia is not in a position to be like trying to warmonger everybody. Because they're no. not that strong. Uh, well, they're a vassal state. They're a vassal state to China. Like it's been it, the the way uh, President Zing, whatever his name is, uh, I just call him Winnie the Pooh for now. Yeah, uh, yeah um, Z. That's it. Vassal or otherwise, the the reality is like th th they have the nuclear weapons and they have that, but like their population's in decline, their economy's so so. Um, and at the end of the day, they they certainly don't have like tech he hegemonic power at this point they're way behind on lots of different things yeah uh and the reality is like they are they could become big again but the problem is that ship sailed like you know like 20 years ago when they failed to reproduce so europe is the same boat, by the way. europe is 
Europe is somewhat fucked too, by the way, because no one's having any babies. So uh, I, it, prom- I promise you this, Sefi, right? Mm-hmm. If Zef makes me enough money to keep flipping into other currencies and I keep following your <laughs> little thing, no, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. And I can get to one to 10 million uh, from this. I'll have 10 babies. I'll I'll do four right. families work, right? J- just for you, Sefi. Perfect. And you know what? Yeah. When you and your wife have an argument and you want to come to the UK, I'll have a guest house just the back, just for you. Yeah, so I think like Russia um, and some, so any country right now that is declining in population is going to have a declining ability to project power in the next 20 years. That we know for sure. And this is the reason, part of the reason why both the left and the right in the United States are just letting tons of randos show up at the border and just walk right in. And the reason is because they need like low price wage labor and they need a population to build shit repair roads maybe become plumbers whatever it is because there's simply not enough labor at this point to handle all of the sort of like the technical world that we built and all the roads and houses and shit that we need to keep having repaired and it's like the general phenomenon is just like okay just let, let fucking everybody in is what seems like the the final solution there and, and europe did a lot of that as well right like europe had a lot of uh, people escape from who knows where and they didn't bother to um they didn't bother to like kick them out or whatever, or deport them and whatnot. So, yeah, it's interesting how um, the 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 I think Elon Musk is right in that like the pressing issue for the Western world is not all of these sort of like random things that everyone worries about politically. It the the things that are most pressing is is population decline is going to have a real serious effect on um, population decline is going to have a serious effect on the ability to project project power. It's going to have an ability, like an effect on the sort of economies of the various countries and that they're being affected about the quality of people's retirement and things of that nature. Uh, the amount of free time people have gotten used to um, while other people do work for them. Um, all of that kind of thing is going to change, I think. And I think like the next generation and the generation after that is probably, unless we have robots everywhere, is going to live a lot less of a luxury lifestyle than 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 people I'm, have historically. I'm looking now, dude. The UK population's up. It's been going up since 1980. It's up 10 million, uh, 12 million since 1980. How much of that is like it, no? But how much of it's immigration versus otherwise? Because mostly that's not because the local population is not having enough babies to um, replacement level. Are they like what is the level now? Is it two point? Is it up above two point four now? Um, in 2022, around 1.2 million people migrated to the UK and 557,000 migrated out of it, leaving a net migration of only six, of only half a million. So it's, it's still going up, like half a million of 2022 was migration. Because here's like just like Google summarizer and it's like total fertility rate reached a low of 1.53 births per woman in the same year. That's in 2021. That's not replacement level. That that's a decline. Like you, like what will happen? Remember, this is not something that's about the immediate immigration numbers. You're talking about what does it look like ten years from now if you don't have enough babies today? And the math is consistent in that if you don't have at least two point four births per um, yeah per family per couple, what you end up having is a decline in the population of the existing population, and you're going to have to have immigration to replace that. Um, yeah. yeah. So the U.S. is kind of like, I think, barely neutral. And um, uh, Russia is definitely on the decline. China is most definitely on the decline. 
to the to the extent that China is at like at a billion population now, they could be down to seven hundred million within um, within uh, like twenty years, unless like uh, a lot of people immigrate to China for some reason, uh, and like a lot of babies are had in other countries and they move there or something. But even India's peaked out now, so like you know, realistically, that means that in a monetary world where inflation was largely the norm over the past hundred years, um, the ch inflation usually works as long as you have more people today, tomorrow than you do today, um, to take on that debt, to build a bigger economy than you had before to pay off the debt. And the assumption is that GDP and whatnot goes up and therefore like your debt doesn't matter as much. So people go into deficit spending, they blow the money today to maybe pay it back tomorrow with nuclear power, nuclear fusion or something, right? Like, they, like maybe new tech, new things, new products can be sold. The economy gets bigger and therefore like the debt doesn't matter. The inflation doesn't matter. This is going to mean not the case if we don't have enough people. So almost certainly for most of the countries that we think of as like modernized or westernized or whatever, birth rates have been plummeting. And probably most of us in this room haven't had more than two kids. So we're probably part of the problem. And uh, the reality is that's going to have real serious consequences to the children we do have, because like you're talking about living in a world like within 40 years of a dramatically shrunken economy, um, unless unless robotics becomes a gigantic push. The problem is who like that means that robots are going to have to build robots because there's not enough people to do it. Uh, maybe that happens. Maybe between AI and robotics, you're able to solve for this. But does that lead to sort of like a better world than if you were to have like, you know, stable birth rates. I don't know. Not to mention, we haven't even stabilized the goddamn birth rates. It's not like as if like, oh yeah, problem solved. We just have to wait 50 years and it'll all balance out. So far, the birth rates have generally just continued to fall for the most part, or like maybe bottomed out in 21 or something. But there's not a clear indication that um, the industrialized world is doing that great. And is it because of all the different reasons, Moloch, social media? pornography, whatever, name the reasons why people aren't having enough babies. Um, you know, it's expensive to have kids, blah, 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 blah. You can go on forever. But the point is like the technological Western world or the technological world clearly has a lot less children for some reason. You can add all the reasons up, but we haven't figured it out. Maybe AI convinces us to have more babies. I don't fucking know. Like, like I, that's possible. I have a theory that if we do solve the energy uh, crisis with fission, uh, energy, then I personally, and obviously energy just becomes completely clean, cheap, reliable, no problems. I think we'll see a birth rate increase, personally. No, I think, I I think increased energy. The, the opposite has happened so far. Energy availability today is cheaper than most of human history. Um, and yet, you don't have, um, you know, so like those reasons that you think that like maybe if we have more energy, you have, I, it might be the opposite. Maybe more tech and more energy lead to less babies. Which well, I, I just said more energy. I didn't say I can tech. see how this works. I can see how this works. Yeah, yeah. So now that we have lots of energy, we have these LED lights, right, that are on all the time. We have these white, horrible, disgusting uh, LED lights. And if so this in is like past, a fluorescent light problem. There was more dark, right? So like, yeah. what happens in the dark? Well, you know, people make babies <laughs> in the dark, babies, but now yeah. everything's illuminated all the time with horrible fluorescent white Or just LEDs. keeping each other warm under the covers, right? Like if you don't have heating, yes. you know, you're going to be a little bit it's closer. Heating. The sperm might go into exactly. the right place. <laughs> How many yeah. children have you had, Sefi? 
two so far. Two. Uh, you you get another half out. How many have you had, Chugger? You know the answer to that, zero X. So let's not Seven. go down that road. How many have you had? Zero. And El Pepe, zero. how many have you had? Zero. So between zero. us, between four mm-hmm. men, we've made two children. This is not good. <laughs> this is not good. You see that? Hang saying? on. Are, are you married, Zero X? Yes. Okay. So what, I, I, I'm single, so I have an excuse not to have kids. What's your excuse? I don't want any children. Shut the fuck up. Like, you can't did, say anything. I did see like um, an interesting report that was like on the state of real estate, which is kind of an interesting um, sidebar here to this. That So in the United States, we have way too much commercial real estate square footage. We have like a lot of like residential real estate footage compared to a lot of other countries, obviously. Uh, mega mansions, McMansions, and like mega malls and whatever the fuck else. And there's a quite the possibility that like maybe corporate um, rent and corporate valuations never recover for the next 20 years. And we have this like, like long, like real estate recession because we don't have enough people to occupy those spaces um, going forward because we just don't have the birth rates. Well, I think that's keep the reason why me. like in America, they're just letting everyone in at the border because like people keep telling me Sefi, that they're going to tokenize houses and they show me a, a pitch deck and they have like we have 500 <laughs> houses in dubai we have 600 houses you outside can own of cairo five like percent of a house yeah we have entire cities in china that are empty and they're trying to tokenize the houses and sell them on the blockchain i'm like dude no one's buying them anywhere on the blockchain or otherwise no one's living in these houses so hey, yeah well, I'll, I'll buy them for one autism each that's as far as i'm gonna go well, you know, if they can figure out how to do it, I'll let you know. But the point is, there's too much, too many houses. And there's, there's not enough people to fill all of them. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a fabrication. This idea that we don't have enough houses is a fabrication. Uh, complete, yeah, if you just look at like, the total square footage, we clearly have enough. Like, it depends on what you consider. Like, so yeah, it's quite possible that we'll have. I think there was a report out that like in America right now, something like thirty percent of people thirty to forty years of age are still getting money from their parents to handle their home expenses and shit. Some ridiculous number. What? Like that. Yeah, it yeah, all like, goes on to buy. I haven't had anything since goes I was fucking eighteen. They all go to pups and they go and lose it. Ninety-five percent <laughs> of of traders on pups just keep loading up money, problem. and they just keep losing money. So, but yeah, these. <laughs> But these crazy financial numbers, and like I think we're at the highest level of like potential credit card default and car loan defaults in um, in like since the 2008 financial crisis. So yeah, we we just have some, some ugly times coming. And you add to that that over the next 20 years, the children that are around today, you know, they're not having enough kids, and you know, and they probably won't unless something changes. And the people that are at the age of possibly having children now seem to have a broken system and they can't seem to even like either get married, stay married, have babies, nothing like they, like a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I'm 30. I haven't had a kid yet. Like what? Like Seth, that's not a world that I'm, I'm approaching that. Let's, let's not go there. But yeah, you but, missed but, a few but comments. You're not going to get the world you live in now mm-hmm. with that. No, but you missed, you missed a few comments in your space. You remember when you were talking about the credit card stuff? Uh-huh. Someone called Drew uh, said something. I, ha- I I leave right when you start talking about credit card processing, literally one of my professions. Uh-huh. Dude, you need to message me about uh, account solution integration for your card processing. There's a bunch of seamless solutions that can be integrated. Uh, what do they do? I just told you what they did. They do credit card processing. 
No, I know. I, I get that. But like, does it add, like, does it take care of some of your accounting problems at the same time? Uh, did you have to ask him? That's all he said. <laughs> I no, just I thought just... I'd look through the comments to see if anyone's uh, flaming me because I usually we'll get have, a bit we'll of flaming. We'll have to do a specific you know? space on this. You can like give me some business advice later. That'd be good. <laughs> Nigerian I think, I think princes. Drew... Email. Nigerian <laughs> princes. Oh, there's Drew. You have won the credit card data processing lottery. Please just send me <laughs> your credit card <laughs> details and we'll take care of it all. <laughs> if you, you just buy consultants here on, Get some consultants here on... Uh, Jesus Christ! Spaces. Uh, if, <laughs> it's, if, if you wire one thousand uh, Zerpy, not Zerpy, uh, uh, Zephyr over to this this account here, we'll do your credit card processing for a five so, five years for you. Oh my God! Well, I mean, in the interest of anonymity, there's no way he's gonna he's gonna go with my solutions, and that's totally fine. But uh, let let me just say one of the things I've been peddling, uh, and and you elaborated on that point after I made the comment, and you started talking about. Um, you know, the expenses not reporting through Stripe and all of that. So that's that's a little bit different. This is obviously not a solution for that. There are a bunch of solutions that function natively out of like every imaginable kind of accounting software there is um, uh, to to run your payments and 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 speak to your inventory system. I mean, it's 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 there, right? Like you don't just have to use Intuit payments. So at least on fifty percent of that side, you don't have to reconcile your books. Mm. Uh, for anything other than your expenses. So, I mean, that that 5% time, that's something that I actually key on with a lot of merchants. So, yes, I, I'm a, a mortgage loan officer, and I also do, my God, totally doxxed, completely fucking doxxed. Anybody in this <laughs> city? Like, Drew, can I just turn around and say, I expect a finder's fee if Sefi does uh, sort this out for you. <laughs> I, I went through the comments. Yeah, we, we yeah. do, uh, we, we do uh, some residual referrals, too. That, that works for me. Yeah. Just send me some Zephyr. We're good to go. There, there are solutions, but I appreciate you touching on on everything you did with regard to. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are reasons why those middlemen aren't going to go away, and there are reasons why Visa and Mastercard are are talking with like Ethereum and Solana and a whole bunch of other projects, right? And and it's not just uh, the reckon uh, the uh, um, it's not just dealing with like remittance and. Uh, uh, privacy, you know, it functioning almost as a privacy layer, uh, but it's it's also because the U, the UI in crypto is absolute and total garbage. I mean, there's there are no regular people that can use it the way we do. I, I mean, even people who have been in the space for multiple cycles still need points on. I, I think I think it becomes feasible once like this is why I keep harping on the Chainlink CCIP thing. A lot of this becomes. Most of what I've described becomes feasible through that ecosystem if if built correctly. Yeah. But, like, but I can, the, I can the see why they're having is, to hire. I can see why they're having to hire so many more people to do it. But yeah, of course. But but the bottom line is there's no free lunch, and there's a reason why those middlemen get paid, right? So are they overpaid? Yes, perhaps. Right, Mastercard and Visa. Uh, I but mean, to some extent, wouldn't you wouldn't you argue, Drew? Though, like, but the reason some of those middlemen actually exist is because. The failure at a national level or some, you know, business 100%. level yeah, I, to standardize things like receipts, invoices, and just stupid shit. And th there's been there's been slow progress in that, but but yeah, it's dude, it, it's a total nightmare. We actually do some offshore things too, so so we're not just in the U.S. We we worked. We had a, a Kuwaiti IT guy who was doing doing international IT transactions, which is extremely high risk. We were acquiring through uh, Credit Suisse uh, and Deutsche Bank, but it's uh, 
the yeah the bottom line is i have zero confidence just like we talked about before like all these conspiracies about like a masonic order and the government controlling everything you're right it's total incompetence but there's a reason why we don't have that uniformity yet um and and maybe not for the foreseeable future and 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 to to what degree is that uniformity going to going to be implemented i mean there's still going to be a necessity for for people to come in and sort certain things out and 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 translate right so it, i don't think that that all the middlemen are going to go away completely i think it's a little bit uh, ideological to think that we're going to have like a totally seamless and fully integrated part, system part of the part of the problem so, Drew, is like no one has had historically the incentive to build a, a layer zero for these types of transactions that everyone was willing to connect to right so far the closest thing i'm seeing to this is that chain link ccip thing now does that become big enough to matter maybe if swift and dtcc actually get involved it could be but right now it's paperware and the reality is is that like if you're a home depot or you're like TurboTax or your any of the possible things you connect to as a business, then you would only want to integrate it if you knew for damn sure that that was like legit yeah. the well, way it was going to go. Did you know right? that? Like, it, you, like let's say you, you know integrated, that... let's say you're integrated like CCIP and it turns out that that didn't become the national standard. Now, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's, it's fucked. Start all over again. Um, That's but, the problem. But ju just to be clear, uh, Debit transactions move across a, a number of different different networks, but one of the primary ones is actually Swift. Just an FYI for CCIP. So I of mean, course, I mean, yeah. it's it's not something it like people a uh, hundred times smarter than me have already thought of all of that. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're right. It, with uh, with a lot of the the banking and data regulations that are you know decades behind, it's it's not a surprise that that hasn't been hasn't been fixed yet. Right? It's just <laughs> general industry incompetence but even ccip whatever it ha all of that shit has to be proven at scale so we're not like it's not like oh next week all this is going to be built it's just this stuff takes time um and there, there are going to be places where the system is compromised too Seppi, and, and, and the right. amount of commerce that flows on this sure like you can't you can't like it'll make equifax and target data breaches look like child's play if it's all you know if it's all on this system that has all the equifax is quite the clusterfuck quite frankly yeah it's it's pretty bad but this could be worse yeah. i mean we're talking yeah. about the whole world's commerce infrastructure of course yeah so yeah no the, the more you build into it like the more bulletproof it has to be and that's what's interesting about things like ccip is it's made to be kind of modular like it's made to be where you know, you can uh, you can build pieces of it at a time, as opposed to all of it being like everyone has to adopt all of it. I think that's a good well, you're thing. talking about the CCP. What are you saying about Chinese Communist Party here? I don't understand what you're talking about. Something yeah. about communism here. I don't oh, think hey, we should Bruce. let them take over. Oh, Where the hell have Bruce. you been, man? Bruce. Oh, Bruce is oh, messaging. He's We've been talking, talking with uh, with Donna Goldberg. Yeah, where have you? What, what's happened to you? Um, I just want to say, I hope nobody here has been watching that Putin interview. To watch that is an act of treason. Oh, I watched I eight wouldn't. minutes of it. I wouldn't. I, I think I'm going to watch it now. Uh, I, I think that was a, a taunt. I think this is one of Bruce's psyopses. Be careful, Chuck. You're going to go to jail. Uh, fuck it. I'll do well in jail. I can just work out all day and just eat food. 
That's fine. He's going to report you to Boris or whatever. Just like oh, some guy <laughs> from like from some sports channel goes and asks Putin some questions, and I, I don't understand. I'm not going to watch that shit. Is I sent you a good a good thread <laughs> to your DMs. Ooh, uh, which DMs? This one. The uh, the DMs will usually quibble. Okay, I'm going to look. <laughs> there's a quibbling channel, and then there's the regular channel. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. Now I know. Chris, have you been on vacation or something? You're traveling or something, or what? No, it's been the, the Ox launch. Ox uh, launch. So yeah. what's, the, what's the details on that? Um, new, new exchange. Like, um, what can we do with it now? Like, what's... Yeah, so the first thing is if you have OX, you should definitely deposit it on OX.fun because there's a baseline yield. It was about 69%, I think, until today. Um, and now right. it's like 5% baseline. So you're getting, getting free money for nothing. Um, mm. And then the whole concept of the exchange is it's OX uh, deposit, only OX deposit, only OX collateral, and only OX PL. So everything is in OX. <laughs> it's basically kind of like a normal exchange, except all of the value accrues back. Um, to Ox. And then beyond mm. that, you have some interesting stuff like you can make 200% APY in Ox um, if you complete submissions every day, which is like um, bidding on Ox, doing volume missions and leverage missions. So it's sort of like a the high level, it's like um, intending to be the most gamified exchange um, with an interesting sort of token model where everything accrues back to Ox. Now, so then, the next who's building this? Huh? Who's building my, this? My, my, little, my little team of manlets. But like, yep. how is this, um, is it still using the same people that were building? Um... No, different. The, with the OpenX thing, the open exchange thing, that was Sue and Kyle giving Mark and Leslie some initial ideas for a claims exchange and then them building it. Um, and then in the end, uh, it didn't really find product market fit very well um, for a few reasons. Number one is because like, nobody really trusted that much um uh -huh. and number two ftx ended up recovering in the end um and it wasn't it, like it was quite difficult to make uh claims tokens super liquid and super tradable and many people just yeah. wanted to, to hold on to them in the end and in the I mean, end my concern from the yeah. very beginning about that was like how do you make that liquid and tradable in the first place and how do you be sure like that was gonna work and i mean it was it was it was smart but it had many issues um, yeah that, like the technical part of it seemed like insurmountable to me, but I don't know. But anyway, you would so have that you would have you would have people with different distributions of tokens, um, and then it would all go into an estate thing together. And then um, it, it was yeah, it was difficult in many ways uh, to yeah. solve. It was it was good that they managed to solve it in some ways, mm -hmm. um, and it was like a pretty smart idea, given that a lot of bankruptcy cases ended up um, being stuck for ten years, like Mount Gox and other stuff. It was cool. But I mean, in the end, most people were bullish enough just to hold on to their FTX tokens. Um, and then FTT pumped and everything else. And like uh, a lot of people have like relatively good recovery now. So it's sort of um, it's a business for a bear market, but not for now. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, that was so built by, by Leslie and Mark Lamb um, and their team. And this is a separate thing. This is this is Sue and Kyle going wild, basically, with a new team. This is interesting, though. So I'm looking at the page now. So ox.fun. And um, so, like, maybe walk me through what's happening here. But, like, uh, let me see if I can figure it out while I'm talking it out here. So you go in here, you connect your wallet. Um, uh, and 
So once so, you get your yeah, so one token, of the one of the first things to notice mm -hmm. is that it's um, you can sign up with MetaMask. There's no right. KYC process. You I'm go, not technically an artist like that, but I'll say it to you. Do you so you go basically to like um, something like uh, you basically go to Uniswap. You get yourself some more Ox tokens. You go over here. You connect your wallet. You and then you, you get can, Ox anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. So Uniswap or uh, you can get it on Say Now, Say Network. There's a two million dollar pool um, within the Cosmos um, that you can route through TFM or anywhere else. Um, so you can get it on on the Cosmos or uh, on Ethereum. I think there's also a Polygon pool and other ones. Okay, so then you so like I go on here and I'm like, oh, I want. Um, so let's see, I want like to do the BTC USD perp, and I want one Bitcoin worth. Be like so of course that's forty seven thousand five hundred dollars right now. That gives a notional total of like four million seven hundred fifty one thousand eight hundred ox tokens. So that yeah. basically gets me <laughs> to a BTC USD perp. So it's basically like just a futures trading thing. I'm not I'm not gonna be taking receipt of any BTC here. You're basically just getting the benefits of the price action, right? And then like do you so are yeah you, you can't you cash the rest out of in ox like you if and you is if you 2x your position then you get double the ox that's how it works now is this like a margin position or just simple price action that you can um, yeah it's it's full margin trading full um cross margin trading portfolio margin just like the okay. old ftx was okay um, the interesting thing at the top is if you go to ox farming Mm -hmm. This is pretty cool. I'm doing that now. So Ox Farming, okay. And anyone can sign up with with MetaMask or Coinbase Wallet and have a play around. In fact, <laughs> I like if I really sign. if I really like you, then I might send you some like log talks <laughs> to play around. I, I like your I like the uh, your size is not size mission one. <laughs> it's very funny at the yeah. bottom. <laughs> so um, the the interesting thing was like um, I guess high level you could say like how does an exchange build liquidity? Um, this is sort of a novel solution to it. So the idea is that people can complete three missions every day. And by doing so, they get 200% uh, yield in Ox a year. And it turns out that these missions are actually really easy. Um, like if you hold a 1x position in dollar value, that's not too heavy. Like if you're doing a 10x or something or a 5x, that's a mm -hmm. relatively low amount of your your actual like total holdings. Um, mm. And then... Uh, the, the higher the leverage, the quicker it is. So you could hold a position open for essentially a few minutes and hit the criteria. Um, so, and, and then for the feed the ox bid, bid on ox perps, all you need to do is bid about 5% below the current price and keep it open for a few minutes and then it fills. Um, and the other one is just like a volume goal. I think it is currently something like 20% of your volume in ox um, every day. But again, you can do things like hedge that you could open a, a BTC short and ETH long at the same time um, to minimize any risk. Um, and then basically pretty, hit them all very easily. Nice little simple interface here for the positions and everything. Was, like, was this a fork of something or is like developers created brand new or something? Brand new, yeah, it's good. And is it like... Uh, it, was, it, was, it was themed after the original FDX stuff. Um, and your, your position, like, like, is this happening on chain somewhere or is this like almost like a centralized exchange behavior like what is this it's a it's a centralized exchange right now becoming okay. more with time 
So you, like eventually it might just run on Ethereum or something. Something like that, yeah. Well, wherever it might, like, sort of like an ongoing discussion what the best thing would be. Right now, it's going to be a like, centralized exchange need, for, Yeah, Don't you have to follow regulations? Um, I mean, it depends where you are, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair fair fair. Mm, no regulations. No regulations here. Not in this well, chat. It's more, the beauty of Bruce is we don't know who he is, what he is, where he is, I, and I don't want that mystery well, solved. If, if the thing is anonymous decentralized, then technically speaking, um, like you know, nobody can really regulate anything. It's um, uh, it's it's decentralized in the ways that matter, which means right. like all, all the legal structures and everything else. Right. It's sort of like what Zephyr Swap is doing right now. It's not really decentralized, but it is like, you know, like um, it, yeah, except yeah. for the ways that matter. Example, Speaking of Zephyr, uh, have you seen the price, Seth? I did. I did. It it's like it's uh, just at nineteen. Yeah. There are a lot, like for a contrast, there are a lot of um, DeFi protocols that are decentralized in code, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. all of the people are known, and um, the legal entities are very attackable. So right, there's a, like right. a, a lot of variance here. Like you have to think about all things. Um, in reality, this thing lives in like Panama, <laughs> <laughs> and there are and there are no names, so it's fairly unattackable. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. Um... Yeah, like yep, yeah. I mean, so many of these kind of little platforms are uh, just like, um, yeah, like how to make it more decentralized would be like, well, you just run it on chain, I guess, which is which is feasible, I think. I think that's a really good idea. I so think that all this should be run on chain. Like, where are they getting their price feeds from? Is this like a chain link thing? Pith? What are they doing with this? How are they getting the the numbers for the the platform? Do you know? For the the ox price or what or for every yeah for the, for the, all the prices yeah where are they getting the um, I'm not sure I can ask I can ask but most of it's major pairs right um, yeah Binance. and then ox itself is on a lot of exchanges now so yeah they could be using the API of like some exchange possibly or um, so an interesting thing and I've been researching this a little bit because I I think that like a bunch of Cosmos chains and shit should do it too but um, like we were talking about this earlier is if you incorporate into this um system if you have the devs just plug in um chainlink ccip this is what gmx did you can basically get all the assets that are on ccip which is pretty much like you know whatever arbitrum and optimism all those things that are connected to it have and you basically get not only the price feeds but you can also get verifiable randomness for gaming and shit and then you can also get um any token that Normally, like you could trade with C in CCIP, which would be things like USDC uh, and Tether or whatever. You can have, you can basically port in anything. And that includes, by the way, like gold, Pax G. Remember, we used to play with that. You can import that also into the thing. So that could be pretty cool in terms of like more trading pairs. And it's really cheap because like you don't have to maintain like a bunch of liquidity for that shit either, even if you have the real pairs. But in this case with perps, like, you don't even have to, I guess, have the actual assets. So it may be even simpler. I don't know. But yeah, maybe just the oracles, all that matter, huh? Uh, yeah, you don't need the actual thing at all. You can list okay. anything. Uh, the only thing you really need is like um, an asset that's on a lot of exchanges. So you can take an average price or whatever. So it's not mm -hmm. super volatile. Like if you were just to have, um, like one thing I wanted to list was MogCoin, which is currently on chain and has been pretty popular with like the Miladies and people. Um, but it's not too viable right now just because it's super volatile and it's only on chain. 
Now, what happens with this thing if, like, you're using Ox as your? I'm supposed. I'm assuming you're using it as collateral here, sort of, right? If you use it as collateral yeah. and like the price goes down, you wind up with liquidation risk and such. So you would need to top up your Ox or what? Like, how does that work? I mean, it depends which direction you're going in, right? <laughs> it can it can be good and bad. It's basically mm -hmm. maximum chaos, um, ma like maximum <laughs> chaos, maximum fun. Uh, okay. Like most exchanges use. Uh, USDT or USDC. Oh, wait. Yeah. So you're trading pubs with, with Ox collateral. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, shit. So, so like, it's it's like... <laughs> Why do you sound so fun. terrified, OX? <laughs> like, well, you're I mean, so happy okay. imagine, imagine you made a down payment on a house chugger, except that the down payment was in Ox tokens, and then the price of Ox <laughs> goes down, and now you, now you haven't made a down payment on your house. And they say, hey, top up your down payment. Otherwise, they're taking your house. Like that's right. pretty scary. Right. Yeah, so but what, you know the risks you you're going into. <laughs> what if you like, were right? Yes. <laughs> you need a psychopath, a psychopathic bank that accepts Ox as <laughs> down payments in the first place. Well, I mean, me and Sefi have already come to the conclusion that anyone in crypto is a psychopath in some regard. But this was yesterday. That's, why, so, that's uh, why it's called OX fun because it's going to be really fun. It's um. <laughs> it's it's literally max chaos. That's the sort of idea. Um, That's pretty much what this. What most happen, people haven't yeah. realized how I will. I will say most people haven't realized how easy these missions are. Like they started authentically very easy. I do them in about two minutes a day, um, and I'm just like stacking ox easily. Um, so if you haven't had a go, I'd have a go. It's sort of one of those like mental friction barriers where it, it seems kind of complicated, but it's actually quite easy oh, in reality. Difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty straightforward. Um, so you get your ox and like, what are these missions? Let's let's read one of these out. Mission one is your size is not size. Hodl a one x or greater leverage position. Maintain an open position with a size greater than or equal to your ox balance. E.g., if your ox balance is one million ox, hold a trader position at least one million ox. Okay. Um, for a one x leverage trade, you must hold that position for the entire twenty four hour period to complete the mission. Your position can be long or short on any listed pair on ox. Fun, ox.fun, and can be comprised of multiple positions simultaneously. Degen mode, increase your size and leverage to reduce the amount of time you need to hold a trader position. E.g., hold 2x leverage position for 12 hours, or 4x for 6 hours, and hold 8x for 3 hours. So, so basically, like the higher your leverage grows, obviously, if mm -hmm. the ox coin price drops, you get liquidated. If you're in a long position and your price of your underlying asset you're playing with gets liquidated, but if you like, let's say you like you win the mission, how? So you hold it for a certain period of time, and then what do you win for doing this? You get what? You well, in in this in this case, you complete all three missions. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are quite easy. In reality, you could hedge this. For instance, you could have like um, a BTC long and an Ethereum uh, short at the same time, or something. Okay. Yeah, you could like, delta, delta. Yeah, you can make it delta. You, you don't really need to to risk much um, if you're smart about it. And then bidding on ox perps, the the mission two, means that um, you create a bid within about five percent of the current price. So, for mm. example, if the price is about um, I don't know what it is now, like a zero point zero one two something like that, you would create a bid uh, around zero point zero one one something like that, about five, five about five percent below, um, okay. and then. So long as it's within range, that would complete the mission very quickly um, without even having to open a position. It's literally just the bid to fill up the order books. Um, 
And then the last thing is just trading volume, which is very easy to do as well. Like you can open a position very temporarily or again, do, do some delta neutral thing with Ethereum and um, Bitcoin or whatever. Um, these missions are very easy. Like they can, can be completed very easily. And, and, and also um, you can always hedge or have it delta neutral every time. So like it's, it's surprisingly easy. It's kind of hard to explain, but when you get it, when you do it for the first time, it becomes very easy. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty fun. Now, the so really, it's like mm, you could have as so you can have as many positions open as you want, with the only thing is like you just had based on how much ox you happen to have at that moment. And you're using it just like you would cash essentially here, right? Like there's nothing really different except for the fact that your yeah. ox price can fluctuate also. Which um so like, but I mean, a fluctuation could be to the downside, like let's say it drops fifty percent or something. It can be profitable, yeah. If um if Xerox is hacks ox mm -hmm. and does something to it or whatever, then it could be profitable if you've got a short open. Hmm. I could just publish any like FUD thread. I've got like five because it's like detailed FUD you're threads. short compared to the price of ox, right? Like this is relative to the price of ox or like yeah. relative to the price of you, the, the asset itself that you're betting? Uh, relative to the price of ox, yeah. It's a confusing. Because <laughs> it so. says ETH slash USD perp though. It doesn't say ETH slash ox perp. So mm, I might need to or, investigate. Well, I guess the liquidation level matters based on, I don't know. I'm confused a little bit. <laughs> like, so you're probably speculating like on the ETH, the ETH price with respect to USD is what you'd like, you'd like bet on. Like uh -huh. that's going to go up or down. Right. But then your collateral is, is OX is my understanding. Uh, I yeah. haven't used it yet, but I should. And you yeah. can technically leave more ox than you have actual, like, you know, but, but then the problem is you won't get the special rewards, huh? The more degen you go, like the more of the funny rewards you get. Cause like, let's say I have like, mm, you know, like a thousand ox and I have uh, only like a hundred of that ox that's being used for anything. So I have plenty of collateral. Um, but then I won't get the interesting missions, right? Because like my, my position's not enough compared to the amount of ox I have. Because it goes based on your balance, it says here. Maintain an open position with a size greater than or equal to your ox balance. You know what I feel like I'm reading? You know how you, when you could Wait. do a board game? Like a tabletop board game, you're like, what the fuck are this D and D rules? That's I, what I, I like think reading. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So basically, what happens here is that the dungeon master has to decide. So you, if you roll a seven or below, then you get liquidated, or eight and above, then you um, then you pass. But you only have one die. Uh, the thing here with uh, Oxfun, it sounds like uh, that to me sounds like if you leverage up like more than one X then you're eligible but i don't know i don't know man so to me this just sounds like gambling on on, on a dex if i'm completely honest and like it's, literally you just, you turn, i think you turn, you're missing the point of crypto right. chugger I no no i no i get, I get the point no 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 right. Crypt, crypto is not about gambling it's never <laughs> been about gambling crypto <laughs> yeah. is a, a change in the way that we see uh businesses communities 
It's a change what? in the way can that I, we see assets and asset ownership. Can I interrupt something? Uh, one sec, guys. Safi, do not encourage this after you've literally been saying this for the past week, that this is about Wait, gambling and being degenerates. So stop it. This is just taking your degeneracy to the next level. This is That's all this is. <laughs> it's ox.fun. Yep, look up. When word. I was a little boy, um, <laughs> I was walking through the snow in my garden in Sweden. And a bright flash of light suddenly struck me from about three o'clock in my, in my vision. I turned and there was a man standing there and he sounded just like Bruce. And he handed me a ledger and he says, hold on to this. You're going to need it one day. And I'm still holding on to that ledger right now. I said, put it in your special pocket, flesh pocket. Yep. Let's put it in my special pocket. And I've kept it up there this whole time. Wait, you guys got flesh pockets? He kept yep. it in his, in his prostate crease. You, you prostate guys have like a different group message thing. And you're not telling me about what kind of pockets you're getting. I'm, I'm behind. Like, I was I eight years old. I haven't gotten a flesh pocket myself, for example. I feel like I've been left out. No, Sefi, you do have one. It's, it's your prostate, dude. That, that, that's literally what Seth just said. It's in his prostate. They sent out a search party because I was out for three or four hours and my uh, mother was worried. I thought sick. you had some sort of surgical thing made. No, no, just a normal, just a normal pocket. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's cool. So Zeph is finally, finally going up. Yeah, there's this, that's, what, that's the, uh, there's this new guy, like one of these influencers, Nagato or something. Um, he's got kind of like a little rabid following of like, you know, Twitter dorks and they suddenly, he tweeted about it and then everyone bought the chart looks prettier than everyone else bought and on the way, on the way we go. So that's good. Yeah. You need, we, like, it's good to get like a new user base. That's not the same crowd again and showing up. And so it's, yeah, we're in good shape. Mm. Yeah. Your, your constant shilling has got me to buy even more. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> My, my, my suspicion, Bruce, is that like, so this is like a pretty good like depiction or, or like the same sort of look as the Casper chart. And, you know, that was like a 90 days from peak to peak. So like that would be like from $52 F to, uh, you know, going back to $52 would be something like February 21st approximately. So my theory is like, eh, give or take a bit. That's sort of how these proof of work charts sort of look in the early days. So it, like from here, it, and I mentioned that like two days ago, and then the guy like tweeted whatever. And then like he, he's like, I bought it at $14. And then he told all his followers. And um, so then a bunch of people bought it. But I think like, you know, it's timing wise, it's right about there where you know how these things go vertical. So by the 21st to get back to all time high would not be unusual at all. And then, of course, like next is like 130, 200, 400, those kind of like mm. extensions. So hopefully we get like a really good giga pump um, and a bunch of YouTubers and whatever the fuck else, like start talking more about it. And then you'll really get it rolling. Plus that Zephyr swaps coming out like in, I believe, the 28th. So it's, you know, coincides with all this as well, which is good. So there'll probably be like LPs and whatever there. And then... Um, you know, usually like when those things pop up, people buy the coin to supply the LPs and whatnot. Remember, like, so usually these things pop around that time anyway. So we'll see. The other plus side is like Monero is cheaper now because Binance delisted it. So there's more reasons for people to use something like Zephyr Swap. And on top of that, the um, 
the like you might people might get Monero cheap to pair pair with their Zephyr, um, which is still relatively cheap, and it's kind of a good time to like for all that to coincide in one nice little maelstrom. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing, you gonna love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning And I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun And then I'm like, one out of a hundred I'm just building up on it to some of everything We built her in the last hundred upsets You're getting salty, feeling faulty You ain't no man, I keep Robo here Grinning ear to ear, throwing up anarchy Smoking toiletries, spitting philosophies Look at the dossier, we rack like geology This layers to this shit, like it's sedimentary All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried Imagine the smell, that shit is a vital experience Without knowing how you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaceship alive, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house, son. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. Nick, you just a little rat, man. Go on, fuck off, man. Do one. Harmony. No, no, the wonder you're looking for a fucking job. You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking up with this. Fuck off. Try to change the course of the portion philosophy. I'm just here for the corporation sponsor, but bottom me feels like I won the lottery. Like I'm ghost in this pottery. Chill, Demi. Boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting. If it wasn't ain't no puzzle, you would try to train your muscle. Air dropping like a fatal hustle, but the pay is busting. Think of all the loss of crew just to pick up off the tricky custom. I figured all those sub downs would make up for something. I guess it just goes to show the fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here. I like my little silo. It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between. Sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phones bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteor, jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell, five dollar wrench to your dark Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance That everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are. We know, we know where they live. And we're, and we're going to their house. We're going to give a wrench. To their a big wrench. And we will attack them with the wrench. And then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench, and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop, don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just give us your validator note, and then they give it to us, and we drive it to China.
Spaces. <laughs>